Uh, I think for the first two months, I'm just going to leave it out as a tip jar. And then come January, when I start going full-time, I can actually dedicate video to producing content. Then we'll start posting videos and stuff, unless other people have videos and stuff, in which case we can figure out how to start submitting stuff. So, <clears throat> won't worry about Patreon tiers until we have the means to, to make extra content. So, Charlie, Patreon is just a tip jar. <coughs> Give us the tip. Just the tip. All right, then. So, let's go ahead and get into this. That's what she said. screwed over today because of that. And technology. So, I think that we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection there. Maybe. It's tenuous. Yeah. Tenuous at well, best. Hello everyone, and welcome to Commander Cast, episode 224. We're your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology. Hosted on MTGCast.com and our home site, CommanderCast.com. We're recording this on November 5th, 2015. I'm your host of the show, William. And joining me, as always, is my perennial co-host, Calvin. How are you doing today, sir? You seem very iffy about that 5th. Is the date the 5th or is it the 4th? No. Or is it the 6th? Who knows? The listeners know. Because they know we record on Thursdays. Those faithful, faithful listeners that follow us and... Do all kinds of things on our Facebook page and our Twitter and sends us wow. things. And support our Patreon, all two of you. You guys are fantastic. Like, holy shit, that is amazing. Like, giving us the tip. Alright. Crazy. So, also joining me are my other perennial co-hosts. We've got Clay, Commander Panda. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing just fine. How'd the Splatoon match go? Hmm? How'd Splatoon go? Uh, some matches are, some matches go well, some matches are just dumb. Make that as you will. And Mark joins us today. Howdy, folks. Yeah, we finally got the game back together. Alrighty then. So today, we are going to be doing our Commander 2014 retrospective. It's where we take a look back a year after the fact with some nostalgia and some 2020 highlights to go ahead and review the products that Wizards put out, which was the Monocolor Command Index, which, spoiler alert, I think they were just awesome. But we're not just there yet. But first... We have a very special question that we like to ask each and every week, and that is our favorite commanders of the week. So, Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, let's see here. My favorite commander of the week? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Let's just pick one at random. How's about, uh, uh, that new red white angel? Uh, what's it? Um, An- Anya? Anaya. Anya? Whatever. Anaya? Yeah. Whatever. Anya. No, it's Anya. On your feet? Yep. On your feet, maggots. Anya, merciless angel. Sorry, but I currently have, like, what is it? Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five. I have five different audacities currently open from different podcasts that I've edited them within the last couple of days. Five at might... one? Well, let's see here. There's the last week's or this week's episode of Commander Cast that stays open because I just deleted and just reposted the new one in. So that's there. There's the stack. Episode 6, which is up and open, which I posted the other day, and I haven't closed yet. 
There's Stacks Episode 7, which is open, which I haven't gotten around to editing just yet. There is, let's see, what is this? What are you, you big, beautiful being footage? There's the preview card episode, which went up today, or this day, or Thursday of last week for you people out there listening, or Thursday of two weeks ago or a week ago for you people listening on MTG Cast. And what's this fifth one here? Let's see. Nope, nope, that's just the other Commander Cast one. So that's Commander Cast, Commander Cast, the stack, the stack, and, oh, there's a deck builder spotlight that's currently open on my page. Yay. Yay. Content all over this bitch. So, that, I, that's my commander of the week. Content. Okay then. So, Clay, who's your favorite commander this week? Well, I'm stealing a favorite commander from Mark, um, on Saturday, on Halloween. Um, some friends and I were hanging out at a friend's apartment and I went through some trade binders and found some stuff and literally threw a deck together out of what was there, out of what was in their trade binder, my trade binder, and some stuff that I had hanging around. And I ended up building Dagatar the Adamant. So, how'd that work out for you? Um, games have been mixed. The deck is not tuned at all. There have been some really funny things, and that Converge spell that puts plus one, plus one counters and gives Trample is really, really strong. Huh. Because there was a point yesterday where if I just had one more plus one, plus one counter on the field, to move over to Dagatar, giving the trample would have just been lethal. Would have been hilarious. What do you make of this, Mark? Well, it is Dagatar. So again, like not to not to really hammer home how much I I, I dislike this commander. Um, but when your commander is a a more expensive version of Power Conduit, uh, <laughs> there's there's really not there's really not much I can say uh, in his defense. Other than if you want to put together like if you just want to throw him at the head of like I don't know, like junk, good stuff. Sounds sounds all right. I would I would probably play that. Nah, nah dude, my deck is Abzento or Abzen counters. Like, why not? All right, there you go. Yeah. I, hey man, there's some friends... sweet counter shenanigans that just got spoiled too in the new uh, yeah. new Commander product. So it was actually our stuff. preview card that made me actually want to build him. Ooh. So, Ooh. but uh, it is funny, just like when my friend plays Morath, be like, I'm gonna take a counter and a counter and a counter. Oh wait, you just paid more mana than you should have. Sorry. <laughs> I was actually, th- strangely enough, like, when I saw the new vampire that just came out today, I kind of immediately thought of Dagatar, so. Oh, yeah. Now, see, that's a card that I wish could have been in the Mono Black deck last year instead of that stupid thing that we'll talk about later. Yeah. The one thing about the new vampire from today that kind of um blew my mind was the idea of, what was it, um Myriad Liege? Oh, so oh, yeah, uh, Merit Liege? Yeah, Dark Depths. That, yeah. That, yeah, Dark yeah. Death. Yeah. Like, and then you get like a 15-15 flyer and a 20-20 demon. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd take that. Yeah. All right. So, I'd pay six for that. So, Mark, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, Well, I don't have a really good reason for this, other than I finally stopped being lazy and got a copy of Brimaz. So I went back to my Mono White Soldiers deck. So, uh, Darien King of Keljor is my um my commander there. So I can run derpy things like Nomad Stadium to make a mana and hit myself for one. So. Hold, on. Hold on, what's Nomad Stadium? It's it's total bullshit. I think it's yeah, out of Tarn- Odyssey. Tarnish Citadel. Tarnish Citadel is totally in there too. But see, Tarnish Citadel kind of does good things. Out of there. You can make. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then there's like then there's like Nomad Stadium where I'm like I had a copy of it and I'm like Stadium. All right. It so makes for- one white and does a damage. Oh, yeah. To you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that, 
But like, had, um, but Ancient have, Tomb and, you know, uh, what Clay just said, Tarnished Citadel, like, they kind of automatically go in there. <laughs> yeah. Because why not? But if you have Threshold, you pay White, Tap, and Sack it to gain four life. Whoa. I could, and that that kind of goes back to I I think I threw what did I throw in there? I've been I've been wrestling with like I don't know why I, this is my personal pet project lately. Ever since Mono White uh, Reanimator, like how to mitigate like the the shitty card draw in White. So I've been trying out goofy things. Like I threw Inheritance in here. I want to see how that works. Angel Heart Vile is making an appearance in here. Um, <laughs> oh God, there's another one. There's another really terrible artifact. Well of, oh, let me see this. Come on, come on, come on. Well of Knowledge. So it's a three mana artifact where any player can pay two colorless mana during his or her draw phase to draw a card. And you can do that as many times as you want. I'm like, well, I'll throw it in there. It's been in my tribe trade binder forever. I'll see if it gets blown up or not. So, I don't know. I'm still not really happy about it, but, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess. All right, then. So, my commander is actually going to be one from last year. For at least, Lanor's Fury, one of the Planeswalker commanders. And I will be talking, and I'll be talking about her later this episode. Although, although, not to leave you guys hanging, I will say that I've actually just been playing all the... Uh, Commanders I got through our pre-con review thing for the past couple weeks. Kali had some really great games, so did Derevi. Freylis and Gissa were also great, but I, I, I don't know. Freylis just kind of stood above all of them as for how much I kind of love that little twist they put on it last year. Uh, more on that later. So, if you love what we do here at CommanderCast, and if you're listening to us, and still listening to us, and will continue to listen to us, I think it's a pretty good bet that you like what we do here. You can check out our show every Monday on our site, CommanderCast.com. You people listening on MDGCast, you know, we love you, but we want you to come to the site. So, you guys are actually getting our episodes a week later than everyone who comes to CommanderCast.com. Go ahead and come to CommanderCast.com. CommanderCast.com. Tuesday, you get to see Journey to Somewhere or Deck Builder Spotlight. Either I'm in the card taking an editorial or Mark's sitting down with someone and talking about their deck. And Mark, who's your, let's see, I, yeah, mine went up last week for you listeners, which is me had just doing any kind of a throwaway, hey, I'm going out to Illinois for a Weiss tournament, I'll go ahead and try out this thing, the Chewy. Actually, I'm, I'm probably going to do something like that at the midnight release for the Commander Precons too, see who shows up. Yeah. Hmm. So, who you got on tap for next week, Mark? Oh, let me see. Uh, so, Ben's Malfgore deck uh, was the week before. Let's see. I believe I'm talking with Adam about his Hazazen Tamar deck. Ooh. So, some good old Naya tokens, some old school Naya tokens, hipster action going on there. So, Adam was a great guest. It's uh, it's going to be a good episode, guys. Tune in. Uh, reminds me of my roommate used to do. He, he was playing Hazus and Tamar for kind of over a year. And he had it all nice and tuned. He was using Pokemon cards as the tokens. He was using like Sand Slashes for the Sand Warriors. And at one point he wanted to, to get Hazus and Tamar altered so that he was the Pokemon trainer. It just had nothing but Sand Slashes in the background. That would have been great. Alright, so Wednesday is our strategy column and I believe Aaron's taking that back over, right Mark? Uh, he was just a... a... I wouldn't say taking back over. Uh, Grandpa Gross has got some more in the pipeline, but he just had like a, let's call it a week off. Okay, so. okay. But it's yeah. usually going to be Grandpa Gross. Yep. All right. Thursday, it's the alternatives between the stack with Grandpa Gross and Uncle Landrops and 
Rivals Duel. And hey, you guys saw that email from uh, Eric, right? Like, they're actually going to do kind of a fantasy league type thing for all of the pre-con commanders. Like, they're going to have uh, most powerful, laziest design, uh, best hat, stuff like that. Nothing? All right. Oh, I was muted. <clears throat> no, I got nothing. All right. So, Friday, we wrap things up with our technology segment. And, hey, you know who else is on Friday? Squirecast, our buddies down south uh, in the land down under. Go ahead, check out their podcast. Fantastic stuff for newer people. And, hey, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can go ahead and join. <clears throat> leave a comment on any of those comment forums on our website. Or use our Reddit page. Reddit's actually been doing okay so far. Like, still want to get some more people, get some more activity going, but we got some regulars. All right, I think that does it for all the pleasantries. Next up, we're going to go into the commander portion of our review session. We're going to talk about all ten of the brand new commanders from Commander 2014. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. And I'll be right back after I refill my big snorky cup. A big slurpy cup? That's probably a euphemism for something. Probably. So, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the 2014 Commanders. And we're going to go ahead and do this color by color. So, first off, we're going to have the white Commanders, Nahiri and Jazzle, and Calvin's got that. Yeah, apparently I've got to take the white Commanders because in the process of blowing my nose, I have to go for Okay, so the commander, the white commander for 2014 was Nahiri, the Lithwa Manta. She caused three colorless and double white. And she was a planeswalker Nahiri because planeswalkers happen to have their names in their title. She had loyalty starting at three, and her plus two ability was that you got a 1-1 white core soldier token onto the battlefield, and you may attach an equipment that's on the battlefield to it. Her minus two was you could put in equipment from your hand or your graveyard onto the battlefield, and her minus 10, you basically got a, uh, equipment. It was an artifact. It was named the Stoneforged Blade. It, we, uh, equipped it and gave you a creature plus five, plus five, and it had double strike. Yeah. And the equipment itself was indestructible. And, wait a second, was the equipment indestructible? I'm yes. pretty sure the yep. equipment was indestructible. And it equipped it. Oh yeah, it definitely you. was indestructible. And it equipped it for zero, right? Yep. You could just slap it on oh, anyone. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so that's Nahiri. That's the Lithomancer. Her deck was pretty much a mono-white mixture of equipment, core, and kittens. All of the kittens. Because her secondary commander she had that came in the deck was, uh, Ajani's brother, Jazal. Mm-hmm. Jazal Goldman. Yep. He was double, he was double white and two colorless. Legendary cat warrior. He was a four forward first strike. And he had this ability where you could pay like, Three colors and double white and attacking creatures you controlled got X until end of turn where, well, plus X, plus X until end of turn where X was equal to the number of attacking creatures. So as long as you had a nice army of people that were swinging out, they could all just stay big for a while and they couldn't hurt people, like, bad, real bad. And it didn't require him to tap so you could activate the ability, like, multiple times. Maybe you could actually be able to, like, give everybody plus X plus X times two or three or whatever, as long as you had the mana. But you're playing mono white, so having the mana may not be an option. You're lucky if you get it off once. All right. So, what did you think of these commanders, Calvin? Uh, as far as Nahiri is concerned, she's cool. I've enjoyed her. 
uh, one of the few commanders that I actually, because out of the five decks that came out, the two that I, the three I actually have are Doretti, Teferi, and Nahiri. And Nahiri was pretty good, but I tried to use her, uh, deck as a shell for my Thundercats build. Didn't really work out too well. So I just kind of swapped it back to similar. And then it became kind of an equipment based deck, which was similar to what my other Ashling ver, my other version of my Ashling deck was, was Ashling and a bunch of equipment. So it kind of played, she plays well. It's kind of like having a Stone, Stoneforge Mystic as your commander, where the problem, where the one downside I really ever saw for her was the fact that she was five mana. It's one of those planeswalkers I looked at. It's like, it easily could have just been four mana and been perfectly fine. Well, Cal, let's go ahead and get everyone else a turn to talk about Nahiri. Uh, I know Clay had been... Minus no. chip, minus it's all, it's all okay. Okay, <laughs> plus six, you gotta say about uh, Nahiri. Nahiri, I've always liked Nahiri. I remember, um, when I picked up the decks, I sleeved up Nahiri and played it as is, and at least against the decks that I was playing against, um, I actually got the Stoneforge Blade several times, and that was just not fair, and people died really quickly. How? Um, the deck was good enough at creating defense that I could just keep taking her up. Um, also, Cathar's Crusade is fucking busted, as it always has been. Like, the deck out of the box was reasonably strong. Like, probably not... Let's see. Which one did we say the strongest one was? It was either the red one, or or I think we actually might have said... No, I think we defended and said it was the red one. The, The red one or the white one, I think, were the two strongest out of the box, and it was strong. Nahiri is pretty damn sweet. Mark, did you have anything on Nahiri? Nahiri is actually the one commander out of this set I haven't got a chance to play with. Like, I own the, I own it, but I've never actually popped it open to play with it. Um, I keep thinking that I want to put together, like, a mono-white equipment build. I don't know why, but, you know, that little paladin who equips stuff for zero, he can draw cards when equipment comes out of the battlefield? Pure steel? Yeah. That dude is, like, one of my favorite little cards in, in white, but I've never actually played him. So. He would be amazing in his deck, Mark. He would pretty much it. be amazing in his deck. Yeah, I know. It's just one of those things like it's always on the back burner, and then it just it, never gets built. But it seems it seems like it would be a good thing. You hit, Mark, since you already have the deck, here's what you do, right? You go in there, you pick up your Fierce Steel Paladin, and I can give you two prime choices, but let's say three prime choices that you can just take out the deck right now. You can either A, take out the Containment Priest, B, you could take out that angel, the um angel filled marshal, or you could yes, take out Dissolve. He looks kinda poopy too. Jasmine and, Hands is uh, actually okay. What? Oh, there's a <clears throat> uh we take into calling Dissolve Goldman Jazzle Hands, you know, like after Jazz Hands. Okay. I don't see it, but hey. Are we into talking oh, about the decks the themselves yet? Uh no, we haven't gotten to talking about the decks themselves yet, which we can get to after we talk about the com- the commander, the two commanders. Okay. So like my piece on the Harry is that yeah, she's actually just really, really good. Like yeah, it's like playing a Stoneforge Mystic as your commander, but it's also like playing a Stoneforge Mystic as your commander that can reanimate stuff like equipment and mono some more mono white rares. Like it's another reason why people are in my meta have been switching over to stuff like Fate Forgotten and Revoke Existence. You know, stuff that can just exile stuff. Because when you have to keep fighting a battle skull over and over again, that gets kind of tiring and exhausting. Um, in my, I put her in Narset, which is already just kind of a suit everything up Voltron for her, because Narset likes to cast equipment for free. Um, 
Nahiri is also just stupid in that, because every plus two she has is just a free swing for the Sun Forger. It's like, yeah, I'll go ahead, plus two Nahiri, uh, red-white, tutor for removal to help get Narset through. Or just go ahead and, and do this, and now I can keep up, quote-unquote, uh, counter magic from Sun Forger. Like, equipping your Sun Forger for free is just not fair. Equipping, me, uh, equipping your anything for free is typically not fair. Ooh, black market. What? Did you just call me? I didn't call you anything. <laughs> I said black market, because it's going to be a reprint. Ooh, black market. I want to say that's <laughs> going to be in the black-green deck? Probably. That would make yeah. the most sense. Unless they're going to pull a thing like they did back in uh, 2013 and give us cards completely unrelated to the deck. It's not outside of the in the white-black one. I would be happy about that. All right, so back on topic. Okay, so what about Jazzle Hands? Calvin, you said Jazzle was okay. Did anyone else have experience with him? I didn't say he was okay. I said I never got a chance to cast the bastard. Oh. In a year of playing, I, that motherfucker never showed up once. Hmm. Not once. <laughs> the only time well, I ever actually got a chance to see him was when I made him the commander. <laughs> and how that and came out? After- and he just easily got replaced with Breebass because he was like, I, I looked at him like, I could pay four mana and have you, or I could pay one less mana and have the king of the kitties. You, sir, <laughs> are no Breebass. Even if you yeah. do have first strike and you are a 4-4, four, four, not worth it. I'd rather have Breebass and get me some tokens and get some of that going on. Because with Breebass at the helm of this deck, man, all those equipments really do come in handy. You'd be surprised how many 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two cat tokens just randomly show up in this damn thing. And, ugh. But then, like, Jazal is just kind of like, you know, when he goes into the deck, he just feels like, I, I always feel like I put him into the deck, and he just gets, like, sore because I put him in the deck as opposed <laughs> to let him lead it, and then just decided to just intentionally, like, shuffle himself to the back of the line. <laughs> so, Clay, what do you have on Jazal? Um, I have not played with him much. I have See? had the pleasure of activating him a grand total of maybe once or twice over the past year. See? He usually won the game. Um, I, I didn't really have that experience, but go on. Just because, you know, a Crater Hoof style effect, even if it doesn't give Trample, is pretty darn sweet. Especially if you can combine it with, like, Bravely Elements, so that all of your dudes get in. He can be really strong, it's just getting him to stick is kind of obnoxious. Yeah, I'm going to echo Clay's thoughts on there. We have someone who was playing the hearing and decided to try Jazzle for a few weeks. And he is a fast aggro guy when you can get the guys out. Like, I've been awesome, I've been playing him in Morav, and I'm very happy with him. Like, you go, just, there's the threat of activation, which says, okay, you just have no good blocks ever. There's the fact that, you know, you're pumping him, and if he's swinging with at least two other guys, he's a three-turn clock. If you're swinging with enough, then, again, yeah, you're just yeah. there. Like, he also has really, really good synergy with stuff like Brimaz, um, what is it, uh, Hero of Bladehold? Things that make more attacking creatures when they attack. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think we can say that Jazzle is good. He requires a bit of setup, but he can be good as a, as a finisher. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing, like, he's good as a finisher, so if he's your commander, he doesn't need to be four mana. I mean, the four mana helps because of the fact it means that late game you can just cast him and then activate his ability. But the main issue that I have with him is, is that once I put him into my deck, even if I'm tutoring for something, typically I'm not looking for him. <laughs> it could just be the wrong deck then. Uh, Mark, did you have anything on Jazzle? I got nothing, man. Again, haven't played anybody in this deck. See? Uh, 
Alright, so I think I'm actually going to save discussion on the deck in general for the other 99 segment where we can actually go into detail about the cards that were in the decks. So, let's go ahead and go on to the blue commanders then, which, Mark, you have. Yes! Man, I love this dude. He's just so good, uh, man. Just, I'm telling you, Teferi Temple Archmage is simultaneously the most expensive of the Planeswalkers, and if you're doing it right, the cheapest of the Planeswalkers. Um, he is four colorless and two blue. He's a Planeswalker Teferi. He's got five loyalty counters when he comes in. And his abilities are a plus one. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. His minus one is untapped up to four target permanents, which makes him the cheapest commander you will ever have cast. And his minus ten, which you're never going to get anyway, but you get an emblem with you activate loyalty abilities of planeswalkers you control on any player's turn anytime you can cast an instant. He's the nuts, man. Just the untap. <laughs> just the untap alone is crazy. He he gets to do a little go to the top of your library, and he untaps shit. He is like the ultimate blue commander. He's like all I want in a blue commander. I don't know. He's just so good. But, so. Mark, he costs six mana and only untaps four things. How are you possibly making him cast for free? No, man. Blue. See, and that's the thing. That is the thing I've been telling people ever since this deck came out. This deck is a ramp deck. It was a straight-up ramp deck, especially with Teferi at the helm, because they just stacked it with mana rocks, all the mana rocks. You got your Thrawn Dynamos, you got your Warm Power Stones, you got your, I don't know, the little blue sapphire thing, oh, right. too. Yep, you got all kinds of shit oh, in there. You got yep. the sapphire. Mm-hmm. So odds oh. are, in your opening hand, you probably, like, even if you had to mulligan once, maybe twice, you had a, a pretty decent mana rock in there. So you're doing it right. You're just popping this dude left out, left or right. Like on average, I would pop this guy out on like turn four, sometimes turn three if I was doing it really well. Um, but yeah, man. And then he's just crazy, and you don't even give a shit. Like who cares? You pop him out. He's got five loyalty counters, man. Every turn you get to untap four target permanents. Come so, on, who cares? <laughs> all right. So who else got a chance to play the fairy? I did. A little bit. Uh, uh, you first, Calvin. Alright, sure. I would have to say, as far as Teferi is concerned, the one thing I would have to say is, is that because of his ultimate having that whole minus 10, well, granted, I personally never wasted my time doing it, kind of made me wish that there was, like, two more plane, one or two more planeswalkers in the deck, you know? I kind of wanted either, like, a Tezzeret or a Jace in there or something, just so that when I got to that 10, I'd be tempted to use it, because I'd be like, hey, I can use this, and now I can use him and this other planeswalker from the pre-con, just doing this effect. But no, it's just him. And, and granted, having him go off and using his effect on other people's turn would also be pretty badass. By that point, by that point in the game, uh, he's already doing so much on my turn that I don't really give a damn about him doing anything on anybody else's turn. <laughs> and the one thing I would have to say about like him in this particular deck, this deck in and of itself just showed, taught me a very, very valuable lesson about blue. Even in its pre-con form, all you have to do is swap out a single card. And you can turn this into potentially one of the most busted decks you could probably, probably pay, play on this entire set. What? Yeah, I took out one card and I put in High Tide so that now all my blue, all my lands tap for double blue. And using Sephira's ability to untap two, four Tom, four permanents, I could just tap my islands and cast him and then just have like all the mana. All the mana all the time, man. All right then. Uh, Clay, you have to dance, right? Um, I only ever played Teferi, like, straight out of the box. So, it was pretty miserable. Like, occasionally we would cast a sea creature or two, but that was about it. The deck just didn't really do anything for me. 
You are a crazy person. If, 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 the, cur- just, if the curse is dissolved, dissolve, reached over and touched your deck. Okay, Clay, so show us on the stuffy doll where Jazzle touched you. Ah, here and here and here and here and here. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that could happen. Okay, then. Yeah, it was painful. <laughs> so, Mark. That's the dirt hole is. I know you don't like to be reminded of this, but there was, in fact, another commander in that deck. Who was he? Nah, there no, was. was. Nah, nah, it didn't, nah. Wait, wait. oh, yeah, that's, oh, oh, you mean that, um, the, <laughs> no. that, the deck came with 99 cards? There was, and there was a, yeah. There was a hundred blank card in there that got replaced with a high tide for my deck. I swear to God, I I would have been I would have been happier if this other thing you call Commander was just another Kraken token. Like I would have gotten more use out of him if he was a Kraken token because the, the tokens are pretty sweet in this deck. Well, as someone that actually tried to play him, should I talk about him? Go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Give that a try. Yeah. This, okay. Um, yeah. anyone who paid even an ounce of attention to flavor text during Innistrad probably knows that there's this guy named Geralt who puts together zombies. Uh, basically the Dr. Frankenstein of Innistrad. Um, we finally got a card for him in this deck, though. Uh, he's a 3-4 legendary creature human wizard for 3 blue-blue. Uh, pay 2 blue and tap. Each player mills 3 cards, exile up to 2 creature cards, put into graveyards this way, and you get an XX blue zombie creature token, where X is the total power of the exiled cards. Um, I put him into my Sidisi deck for flavor, and he would always get blown up before I could activate him. Every single time. This also goes for his sister, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I have never actually activated Stitcher Geralt. Okay, so... <laughs> He's poop. In his defense, I was watching some videos with him, and remember, you can exile creatures out of other people's graveyards that you oh, hit. Yeah. He can make some ridiculously big things. In fact, now that I'm realizing I need to change Rexil into more of a blue-black control deck rather than kind of... Um, Evasive, try and nick you deck like I originally thought it would be. I'm actually going to end up putting Drawth back into that deck because he does have that incidental value, just make things. Like being a lightning rod isn't necessarily a bad thing if it means that people are afraid of him getting that thing off. Yeah. But being a five mana lightning rod can potentially be a bad thing because that five mana that I could have used for something a lot more impressive. That is true. All right. So, Sister Drawth just kind of fell off for most of us, it seems. Oh, so you know what? We didn't really do the yay or nay. So real quick, Nahiri, guys, yay or nay? Guys? Uh-oh. That's not good. Mark? Yeah. All right, then. So we got Mark back. Uh, what would you get for talking about Citra Garolf, man? Me and Calvin are in agreement. Calvin, is this true? Calvin. Okay, Calvin's here. And yeah, we just need... Uh, Clay BRB. Oh, Clay BRB? Oh, BRB. Oh, Alright, what do we got now? Obby the Mixolus? Uh... Okay, uh, we were actually... Uh, we were actually... Okay, stop. Uh, hey, what would happen if you just swapped out the shitty Obnixilus with the good one that is printed? Oh, dear lord. I am probably the happiest girl this side of Ohio River. William would shit his pants. Okay. Yeah, like um, that was that was more than I was expecting, actually. But. New Ob is just so amazing compared to the old one. Yeah, I say we just like we just pretend it didn't happen. We can retcon this, right? We oh. can just talk about New Ob and just pretend. Oh come on, that's not real journalism. We gotta bring pe- we gotta bring these people the facts, the good and the ugly, the Teperis and Zeros. There's no journalism here, man. It's fine. We but, just do whatever we want. So, so here's a question then. 
what if the current ob was switched out with this one and this one actually came out in whatchamacallit, the Zendikar block? Oh god, you're just... Alright, I'm back. What was that? I'd be totally happy with that because I didn't really give a shit about the Zendikar block. So, I think that would fix it, to be honest. Because I like Ghoul Call or Gisa. Gisa? Whatever Gisa? the fuck her name is. I call her Gisa. Is it, I call her Gisa because she's, she's written like the town in Egypt. But, hmm. Alright, so let's go ahead and continue where we left off. Uh, we didn't do our yay or nay for Nahiri, so let's go ahead and do that real quick. Guys, Nahiri, yay or nay as a commander? I'm saying yay. Dar. Yay! Yo, she gets stuff back from your graveyard. Clay? Yeah, and she has equipment and she makes tokens. What's not to like? Yeah. Yo. Clay, yay or nay? Nahiri. Uh, Nahiri, yay. Alright, guys. Jazal Goldmane, yay or nay? What? Oh, that thing? Yeah, I got, uh, I got yay and Nahiri. So, Jazal Goldmane. Nay. I'm pretty sure it's a no. Uh, conditional yay. I'm actually gonna which, si- side which with- Which translates to no. Yeah. I'm actually gonna side with Calvin and Mark here. I like him, but not as the commander. Alright, Teferi, yay I or only nay? Like, I only like him as the commander. <laughs> Cause that's the only way I'll ever <laughs> see that. <laughs> what you doing looking at cat butts, Calvin? Alright, Teferi, I yay or nay? Yay! Clay. Eh? Calvin. Of course. And I will say yay and Teferi. Stitcher Gerald. Yeah, we don't need to vote on this dude. Do you want to lose a Skype call again? (laughs) Okay, so Stitcher Gerald does not exist. We are going to ignore Gerald then. So let's go. You mean that that card that had um, replaced his card with High Tide because he didn't have any in stock? (laughs) Yeah, High Tide. Thumbs way up on High Tide. I'm going going yay for High Tide. (laughs) Definitely. As the secondary legendary commander for the Mono Blue (laughs) deck. Might as well have been. Alright, so now we get to our black commander, which is the one that I had to trudge through last year. <laughs> Alright, so, before we had super sweet Battle for Zendikar Obnixilis, we had Obnixilis of the Black Oath. Three, black, black, you have Planeswalker Nixilis, although I like to call him Obby. He came into play with three loyalty counters and had, of course, four abilities, one of which is you can be your, he can be your commander. So, plus two, each opponent loses a life and you gain life equal to life lost this way. Neg 2, put a 5-5 black demon creature token with flying onto the battlefield, you lose 2 life. Neg 8, you get an emblem with pay 1 the black, stack a creature, you gain X life, and draw X cards where X is the sacrifice creature's power. And that is really pornographic. So, my experiences playing with him have been, he's kind of, eh? Like, he really encourages a really controlly black build. Like, you're, if you're playing on this history commander, you're playing model black control because you want to protect him. If you want to get to the point where you can roll him up high enough that he limit breaks, well then good. But it's not a limit break that necessarily wins the game. Like, maybe this was just a byproduct of there not being enough win conditions in this particular deck. But I played against someone who was running him, and you know, he got the limit break off, and it was just, you know, keep dirtling and play more ass. And that was not great. In the other 99, though, he's perfectly fine. Like, you're usually putting him out there. I heard, I remember Noel and Eric talking about this guy. He's basically like a Rolo. You roll him up, you roll him down. You roll him up, you roll him down. Because, what, usually people are just more interested in playing the demon rather than getting to the limit break. And that's a fair thing, especially if you're playing him onto a mostly empty board. You want to make sure he has some presence so that he doesn't just get shotted off. But, uh, the demon's pretty cool, but the life part isn't really big enough incentive to want to continuously take him up. Like, I have him in Farika because Farika has an easier time protecting him, and because it's part of the 
hey, he scales with the player with the number of plays in the game, so it fits there. But as a commander, um, I feel like you could do better options. Like Drana came in this deck too, original Drana, and I feel like she's just kind of the poster child for mono black control. So, guys, your thoughts on Odd? No thoughts at all. No one has anything to say about him. <laughs> I did. Nothing. I did actually play this dude for for a bit. Um, I think I told the story before. Like when I was playing last year around this time, obviously, um, it was me and a buddy of mine were playing some one on one. We're waiting for a couple other guys to get ready and play. And I was playing the the blue precon, and I had brought the black precon. So he was playing the black precon, and after I whooped his ass real, real bad two times in a row with the blue precon, he's like, "Fuck this shit! I'm playing that goddamn deck." And then I played the black one for a little bit. Um. And so we did like two games with blue and he steamrolled me and I did two games with black and I got steamrolled. So Sounds you know, about right. Yeah. It's like you just ugh, like Abby, Abby, what are you doing, man? You know? Like paying five for a five five demon, sure, that's okay. But that is like it's like the most generic thing you can do, man. Like, eh. Yeah, I got a five five flyer. Oh, by the way, it's commander. So meh. It just, eh, it just doesn't really do anything. I think Will's right on the money. Where even his, even his ultimate is just like you're like dirtling for value at that point. It's like, ooh, I can sacrifice creature, gain life, and draw X cards. Like, yep, sure can. Boy, too bad there's not like a million other cards in black that'll do that same shit for you, but it'll get there a lot quicker. You know, it's like, eh, I don't know, man. I wanted to like this deck, man. I really wanted to like this deck. I didn't like this deck. Yeah, just. <laughs> Did not play well nice with others. No. Alright. Uh, Clay, did you have anything about the op? Uh, I didn't really get to play with him much. Um, I think he's just better in the deck. I think he's kinda bad overall, honestly. Alright then. So, we did have another commander in this deck, thank god. And this one I actually ha- still have and ha- am having plenty of fun with. We've got Draw's sister, Ghoul Caller Gissa. For three black black, she is a human wizard and a 3-4. So, similar stats to her. Actually, that's the exact same stats as her brother. Only she has a much better ability. Pay black tap, sack another creature, put X-2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, where X is the sacrifice creature's power. You know, I'm right now I'm playing Gissa as just kind of a... I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where it can be a mono-black reanimator deck that, that sacrifices the creatures for value and they can reanimate them with, like, awesome EPTB triggers. Problem is, when I was doing my great mythic purging for my collection, uh, she lost a lot of the sweet demons and stuff that kind of pay, really paid you off for doing the reanimator stuff. But the zombies are still really awesome. Like, I actually ended up having to cut grave form use, because I was drawing too many damn cards and losing too much life way too fast. Like, it's you actually... Just, you should have sacrificed the grave form use. You realize that's not you right. I would have, if Gissa had been on the field at the time. Well, like, that's your fault. Well... That is admittedly my fault because I, that was earlier builds. But I guess it's still really awesome. Like the fact that she puts out zombies for the power is already really awesome. But, you know, it's, it also leads to that, to those cool plays where it's like, uh, it's like the story I told in an, in an earlier episode. You know, I go, uh, dread return, get this, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, not reaper, flashback marauder. Get out of flashback marauder. Oh, we're gonna go ahead and sack the flashback marauder and get three zombies. And hey, we're going to sack one of those zombies. And hey, we have another guy out, so we're going to go ahead and tap those things so that we can uh, sack those guys so that we can flash back the Dread Return. And hey, look who's back. So, a lot of really cool zombie shenanigans in there. I don't think, me personally, I don't think Gissa 
works that great in a zombie tribal. Like, you can definitely build zombie tribal around her and be just fine. I keep wanting to put Noxious Ghoul into my zombie tribal decks, which unfortunately Gissa does not play well with. So that's kind of a nabo for me. I mean, you can go ahead and put in, like, the uh, the Nim Death Nano, turn her into a zombie. Then she's zombies reanimating zombies. <laughs> but I, I don't know. The Nim Death Nano doesn't really work in that deck because I don't have the co- combo pieces that make it amazing. Mm-hmm. Guess uh, by herself, though. Guess uh, made it worth it to play that black deck, and I'm happy I did. <laughs> go ahead, Mark. Man, Will, you're doing it wrong, man. The only two words you need for Ghoul Caller Gissa. Phyrexian, Dreadnought. That's what you play in this deck, alright? <laughs> Cast that sucker for one, sacrifice them before the ETB trigger happens, and then just get fucking zombies. Zombies, zombies, zombies. I love Ghoul Caller Gissa, man. I don't know. Like, I had a problem a little while ago where I had a Veril's deck that was just, like, samey and stupid. I mean, it's it's Veril's, you know? Like, he makes stuff, you probably win by Infect because it's green-black. You know, it's Veril's. Eh. Um, Scavenge was kind of cool, but I was kind of bored with the deck. But then Gupo Ogisa came around, and I could play the same tricks, except now you can go wide with him, whereas Veril's could get stopped very easily. And in going wide, like, the cool thing about Gisa is she doubles the power of anything, because it's, you know, it's you get X-2-2 two, two black zombies, well, that, that automatically doubles the power of whatever you, you just sacrificed. Um, so, like, I just took, like, the shell of my Veril's deck, obviously the black half of it, and just put in all a bunch of big, dumb, stupid, low-cost stuff, like Phyrexian Soul Gorger or Desecration Elemental, um, Desecration Demon, um, that kind of stuff. You know, stuff that didn't cost an awful lot, but that I could sacrifice for just ridiculous amounts of zombies, like Waning Worm is in there, you know, like goofy stuff like that. But I probably wouldn't find a home in any other uh, set. And, yeah, man, then I just, like, lumped it all together, smashed in with some zombies. It was a lot of fun, man. Ooh, I like the Wenny one. I haven't, I haven't seen that one. No. Okay. It's good stuff, man. I will say, though, that I currently have my guess a list submitted to Dan and Jacob for their pilot show. So we'll be seeing what they come up with soon. <laughs> All right, then. So, up well, next... Hold on, hold on. Oh, I, got... I didn't get a chance to talk about um, Gold College Gissa yet. All right. And I will have to say that I side with Mark. You are using her wrong. Because you have her in the commander spot. I personally think that she should be in the deck and not necessarily in a mono black deck. I personally like her in a black red deck because then you could play her and then cast things like ball lightning, swing, hit for six. And if it survives or if it's going to die to a chump block or whatever, you can just say a, back, a black sack it and then boom, six, two, two zombies. It's going to die in turn anyway. <laughs> that is kind of cool. You put that in like a Rakdos deck, man. Like a, like, a right. Rakdos, like a Rakdos Lord of Riot stack or something, you know? That'd be yeah. pretty sweet. And even, like, when the Rakdos, if you put, like, in the Rakdos theme deck, like, with the, um, uh, what, what was the last one that they had where they came in with the extra plus one counters on them, but they couldn't block or something? Un- Unleash, um, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, you combine it with a couple of the Unleash creatures and stuff. Now you can unleash, and you can swing with them. They can't block, but if you happen to need block, you just play a black, pay a black, tap her, and sack the dude, and then boom. Army of Zombies, just waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Don't get more Rakdos than that. All right, then. So, Obnix list. Yay or hey. But You skipped me, too. Did I? I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Like everybody tonight, man. You, 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 you jet, you host skipping bass. Are you trying to get the bad boy? <laughs> you trying to get to sleep? Is that what you trying to do? Huh? Go Anyways, um, I've had trying to slot Gissa into Sidisi led to the same problem that uh, Giralf had 
where she would just get blown up before I could even activate her. I probably activated her a grand total of like three times over the past year. Um, yeah. Flavor, flavor entries just weren't quite good enough, but I do agree that she is hilarious and I would love to see her used really well. All right. So guys, yay or nay on Omnixless? Nay. I never got a chance to play with him, so I am going to not go yay or nay. Because I still think that the 5-5 demon would be cool, but since I've never actually got a chance to use him, I'm not going with it. Uh, I choose neither. Alright then. I'm going what is your choice, Phil? I'm going to say nay on Omnixus as a commander, but yay on Gissa as a commander. Yay on Gissa. Yeah. I'm All going right. to say yay on Gissa as a part of the deck, not as the commander. Alright then. So, next we go up to Red. Clay, you've got this one. All right. Um, in the red one, we had a really sweet artifact theme going on. Um, our Planeswalker commander, Duretti, Scrap Savant. He's a goblin from the plane of, what is it, Fiora? Um, he comes in with three loyalty counters, just like all of the other ones except for Teferi. Um, and just like all of the other ones except Teferi, he has a plus two and a minus two. Um, his plus two, oh, he, uh, he costs three and a red, so he's the cheapest of all of them, too. Um, his plus two is discard up to two cards, then draw that many cards. So, card filtering in red, pretty cool. Um, neg two, sacrifice an artifact. If you do, return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, you can dump things into your graveyard with his plus two, and then sacrifice other artifacts and bring them back with his minus two. And then, minus ten, you get an emblem with whenever an artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, Return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So it's basically uh explosion insurance. Your stuff blows up, it just comes back later. Or if you sacrifice your stuff, it just comes back later. Basically, if you get the Neg-10, you're probably going to win the game if you have some sort of engine set up. Um, yeah. I've used Duretti to amazing effect in my Kirkesh deck just because proliferating up to that ultimate or even just using the plus two and the minus two for filtering and card advantage is pretty amazing. He's nice. He's amazing. I've gotten really to that so. ultimate on several occasions. That shit is broken. <laughs> I feel like he might be the easiest one to ultimate. I'm not sure why, because it's like the same stats as all the other ones except for the fairy, but I have gotten his ultimate off more than I think any other planeswalker in the last year. You know why you get his ultimate off so much easier? Because he has a plus two you want to do. This is true. Mm, true. True. Like, because like what? Same thing Barry as the plus, Barry has the plus one. You could do it, but you'd probably be doing a minus four. Now Harry has the plus two, but that's only getting you a one. One, you'd probably rather take that stone, like that sword of X and Y out your hand and put it on the field. Uh, Nixon was, we've already discussed him. No one wants to do that plus two unless they really had to. He'd rather have the demon. And when we get to the elf, we'll talk about her plus one, which no one really, her plus two, which is okay, but I'm not really sure if someone's going to want to actually continuously do that. Poop. At least here, you get some filtering potential. You get the chance to feed into his minus two. And since you have the artifact theme going on and all the other stuff that's in the thing, you know, his plus two is actually helping your deck do something it wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Build a graveyard. Yeah, his plus two actually, uh, actually helps fuel the secondary commander. Also true. If that would be a segue into that. It would definitely be if I hadn't talked about Duretti. <clears throat> <sighs> oh, whoops, sorry. Didn't know you were there, William. No one cares about your opinion about Duretti. Aww. Everybody thought you were too busy bitching about Omnicholas. I was busy bitching about Omnicholas. Now I'm done. 
Yeah, so we decided to move on, and we're talking about the writing now, and we thought you were sitting in the corner soaking. No, Continue. no. Say what you want to say about the, our, our legless goblin friend. I will say that Doretti is, in fact, awesome, and I have a friend who calls him a used car salesman because he just keeps recycling <laughs> artifacts over and over again. Also, Fair. He, you know how the uh, Commander Precons came with those giant oversized versions of the Planeswalker Commanders? Yeah. Yeah. He, ha- he has it cut in half, and he uses the half with Doretti's picture put into a card sleeve, which I think is pretty cool. But it also has unfortunate implications. And in his defense, he says, well, all the parts that are relevant are in that picture. Because remember, Dreddy has no legs. Right. He's our legless commander. There is no bottom half. Yep. He just couldn't finish that last leg of the race. But for any listeners out there, like, uh, basically, Dreddy, he's a goblin. And we all know how our little green men have a tendency to get themselves in situations that could typically be considered um, dangerous for most living creatures. But, you know, it's perfectly fine, and luckily for him, he had a spark, so he was able to, you know, kind of live through it. He has, like, you know, spider legs now, so he looks like the villain from Wild Wild West, which is kind of amazing. But in the same token, you know, uh, he's a goblin. They don't really need legs as much. Right. So, go on. Doretti's plus two helps fuel not only his own minus two, but also... Felden of the Third Path. Felden is the secondary commander of the Red Precon. Um, he's a very old character from Magic Lore, dating back to the times of Urza and Mishra. He is a 2-3 human artificer for one red-red, and you can pay two and a red and tap him. Put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of target creature card in your graveyard, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. It gains haste, sacrificed at the beginning of the next end step. So part of Felden's story is that he wanted, I'm pretty sure it was to bring his wife back. Correct. His wife passed uh, away. He wanted to bring her back from the dead. Yes. And so he delved into magics, but he never quite perfected it. So now he is resurrecting cyborg versions of critters in our graveyards for us to beat people over the face with. But, you know, since he's never perfected it, all those critters have a time limit on them. Yeah, but then you just have another way to uh, sacrifice them, or something like that. They don't need to stick around anyway, you're just hitting people with them. I will say it's always really funny to say, like, oh, here's this cosmic larva out of my graveyard. Um, I'm going to hit you with it. (laughs) Or here's a steel hellkite. Or here's just something really big. Or here's a worm coil engine. I'm going to attack, it's going to die at the end of the turn, and I'm going to get some more worms. That sort of thing. Yep, or, you know, like things like the Dark Steel Mirror shows up, boom, got a bunch of little, not, not Dark Steel Mirror, the, um, Mirror Battle Sphere. Yeah, you can, like, play the Mirror Battle Sphere, a bunch of 1-1 tokens randomly show up. Sure, the Sphere dies, but you just got a miniature army of 1-1s. You know, you could use the same thing for, like, Siege Game Commander. He has haste, but now you can just pop him off and blow him up to himself, and, you know, you still have your tokens. All kinds of shenanigans to help get around Selden's, um, flaw, quote, unquote. So, my experience with Felden has been, yes, he is great when I can get him out there and he starts making stuff, like I get my siege gain, or hell, even just like a, a Mog Marshal that makes a guy when he has play, then makes a guy when he needs play. Yeah. Like, like that's yeah. just an awesome value in the Iv Goblins deck. Like, he's just in there to help fuel Iv, which is already really good. Like, Dreddy and Felden both made the Iv deck. Um, 
and you get some really silly stuff when you have Kiki Jiki out there too. So it's like Feldman brings a guy back and then Kiki copies that guy. <laughs> the only problem is that people know how powerful Feldman is. So they try and kill him a lot. And because it's Ib, they usually succeed. And they keep breaking his cane. He's on his third cane now. <laughs> How many canes? Does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll son of a Tootsie Pop? Basically. How many canes do you have to go through before you can actually bring back your dead wife? Ooh, too soon. Okay. Yeah, like, the Mono Red deck was a deck I got a chance to play with last year. I would have to say that it was amazing. I had some of the most fun playing a Mono Red deck in a long time. I got to play with artifacts. I got to play with these things. Got a chance to sacrifice a bunch of artifacts and get other stuff. And knowing that I actually had a commander that allowed me to just keep filtering through my deck was nice. Because now I don't have to waste time constantly worrying about whether or not I'm going to draw the next damn card or not. Because my commander is going to take care of that for me. <laughs> Alrighty then. So... Yeah, Red deck, Mark? Heck yeah! Oh, that deck was awesome, man. So, I played that one a whole bunch um, online, actually. But then I built a Felden deck in the real... Um, and I love that deck, man. I mean, I love me some reanimator shenanigans anyway. And I love the, I love when they print new commanders that like enable new kinds of decks. Uh, maybe we're going to talk about that obviously with the next, next backup commander, I guess, next legendary creature in the green deck. Um, kind of like created her own deck around it anyway. But like mono red reanimator would not be a thing without Felden, man. So I love that dude. So that, that deck is a whole ton of fun too. I will agree with Will. Like, People definitely target Felden, and uh, that dude catches a lot of hate. Like, he has caught a lot of... He's caught a lot of everything, man. Like, every kind of horrible removal you can think of, um, that dude has got, in the like, straight to the dome. Um, he's He should work on, like, reanimating himself, because he dies a lot. Um, <laughs> but the nice part is, like, you can... Like, I also throw, like, Kiki-Jiki in there as, like... In that deck, it's almost like Felden number two. No, it's not coming out of your graveyard, but I use a lot of... Um, like, a lot of the stuff in Mono Red, like, I use for the ETB effects anyway. So, for for that kind of stuff, like, you know, I don't know, like, obviously, Duplicate is, is awesome in any deck, but when you get to make two, it's pretty sweet. Um, and a bunch of other crap, too. And most of the time, people kill stuff. Um, but one card I will I will totally say you should be playing if you have a Felden the Third Path deck is Stalking Vengeance. God Damn, I love this card in this deck, man. I've killed so many people with this. I mean, of course, it also goes without saying that if you're playing Stalking Vengeance, you need to play everybody's favorite enchantment, Vicious Shadows, too. So, just throwing it out there. Okay. All right, then, guys. The ready, yay or nay? Yay. Obviously, a yay for me. Definitely. I would yay. say, I don't know, what do you think, guys? Best Planeswalker out of the set? Definitely best, co- oh, I think yeah. definitely best commander out of the set. I definitely think so. Yes. Uh, Red deck wins, that, man. That, I, I don't know about best commander, but definitely best planeswalker. Do you don't think best commander? We'll get really? to we'll get to that in a second. I mean, man, uh, like, even as much as I love me some fairy, but the ready beats him out, man. Yeah, <laughs> but that's me. what I'm saying. Like, if I had to like, I'd, I'd have to say like, to fairy and the ready, in my opinion, are like scratching neck for neck for top. But the ready yeah. kind of like you know coming up a little bit taller because he has those robotic legs, so he can kind of just stretch himself out there. <laughs> So it's, so it's kind of like cheating, but in the same token, he's a goblin, so rules don't really apply. See, I think Jaredi bumps out to fairy only because of my ridiculous love for artifacts, and so anything that's like just artifact centric has to bump it out, man. Although, granted, yeah, you know, fairy most of some artifacts too. 
The fairy does, man, but it doesn't say artifact right on him. Like, yes, yeah, I mean, if you're I, if you're doing it right, you're untapping four target artifacts. Like, that's what that's what you're doing, really. Maybe you throw a land in there or something, whatever. But mostly it's artifacts. I mean, like Duretti and plus, like, man, that plus two. Man, I throw Duretti in every mono red deck I own. Like, Duretti is awesome in my Goto deck because, yo, like. He's sacrificing artifacts and bringing other artifacts back, which means probably some equipment that got blown up, but also, like, just the card advantage, or, like, pseudo-card advantage. I know if Grandpa was, like, if around here, he would tell me that the, the red looting effect isn't really card advantage, and he would have a really good explanation for it, but I'm really fucking dumb. So anytime I can just draw cards, anything, it's just a red card that says draw cards, like, it says card advantage to me. I don't know. It's probably not, but it's close enough from my, my perspective. Alrighty then. So. Our uh, opinions about Felden. Yes, Felden. Guys, yay or nay? Yay! Yay? Yeah, of course, a yay. Even, like, he has to get a yay just because of his broken cane and his lost love. Why are you liking his, this, his broken relationship status? Because there's no dislike or, like, no, like, you know, uh, uh, sorry for your loss button on Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, let's hope they never come out with a sorry for your loss button, man. Like, that's not, that's not, let's not do that thing. I don't know. That would be really yeah. funny, though. You yeah. see, at some point, if they, you know, if they were to put in a dislike button, you just have to wonder the other thing. Like, do they dislike the fact that you lost your wife, or do they just dislike you because now you're wifeless? Yo, did no one remember they used to have a dislike button on Facebook? Like, they used to have a dislike button. It really was. Uh... Like, way back in the day, it was fucking there. I know that somehow Facebook has, like, retconned this. But, yo, I used to dislike shit all the time on Facebook. But, But Mark, Oceana's always been at war with There was, like, three of you talking at once, man. I don't know. I'm confused. That's what I was saying. I was saying, like, the only thing about Facebook that pisses me off is I can still poke people, apparently. Really? You can still poke. Yeah, poke is still a thing. I'm not really sure exactly why, but you can still do it if if you so chose to. Why, so I can poke people, but I can't like dig through his regs of Facebook and be like, no, I don't like this status and hit dislike. I got to market as spam. That's the best I can get. That's fucked up. All right, then. So let's go on to the last pair of commanders. And even though we had someone else reviewing this last year, over the past year, I've grown to really love this deck and just kind of really wish I had grabbed this one instead. So the Planeswalker is Frey at least, Landlord's Fury. For three green green, she is Planeswalker Fraley's, comes into play with three loyalty counters. Her plus two is put a Landwar Elf into play. Like, yeah, I know there's a bunch of technical words in there. That's what it is. She puts in a Landwar Elf token. which And the Landwar Elf out there, if you are newer listeners and do not know this, is a Mystic Elf, which, if you also do not know that one, is tap, add a green to your mana pool. And it's an Elf Druid. There you go. Her minus two is Naturalized, Destroy Target, Artifact, or Enchantment. And her limit break is neg six, draw a card for each green creature you control. So, the first thing I really like about Fraley's is that she just has that utility. Like, sometimes you just have to go, okay, pay five mana, neg two, we're gonna blow up your, I don't know, your Vidalcan Ori, or your Phyrexian Aria. You know, just an enchantment or an artifact that's really causing you problems. I really value the fact that she just has that built into her. Two, she actually is just kind of, you can actually kind of think of her as a less powerful Azuri. Like, I've been playing this deck for, for quite a while, and I took out, like, the pure elf ball bits. Like, there, there's nothing in there that isn't, that wouldn't be good 
for other things besides an elf deck, but she can still just kind of incidentally be an elf ball deck. Like, she's pumping out one one guys who keep making mana. I've been able to get, like, three or four of them at, at a time, and they help ramp for big. And, hey, it's one one guys. So as soon as you play, like, your overwhelming stampede or your overrun or just anything like that, now you've got a bunch of guys that just swung out at nothing. It's like, oh, hey, I just completely forgot that these guys aren't just trees. Like, they actually swing for damage. And I've actually got, if I have gotten the limit break off, which I've actually gotten off a couple of times, if I get that off, it's because there aren't things that I desperately need to destroy. And if I'm not getting the limit break off because I'm actually just nagging her to get rid of problematic things, I'm actually okay with that. Like, the draw card for each green creature you control is actually a good way to just kind of refresh after dropping your hand to try and ramp some. But it's not that back-breaking, game-winning thing, because it also just kind of dictates that you need creatures to play. So with all that said, Freya, I know we said the Reddy is probably the best pl- Planeswalker, and I full-heartedly agree. Freya at least might not even be second or third, because we got Nahiri and Teferi. But she is, hands down, my favorite from this cycle. Like, the Reddy's drawing your cards and bringing stuff back, Teferi's ramping you, and Nahiri's just doing all kinds of broken things. But I just really like that that utility she has just from being a naturalized that you can do as needed. So, what did you guys have on Freilis? Well, I, I haven't played mad. too much with Freilis. I've played a couple games just like with the pre-cons against each other, and she can do funny things, but I much prefer the secondary commander. Yay. She is just the most blah commander, man. I mean, Fraley's had... I'm not even a Vorthos guy, but Fraley's had some cool backstory going on. You could have done something cool with the Fraley's. And this one just feels like, all right, so what does green do? Green makes the land of war elves. Green naturalizes shit. And green probably draws cards for a number of creatures you have. Like, sure. Like, that's it. It's just there. Like, yeah, she's not exciting, but she's solid. Like, these are just all things that I want to do. Like, I want Fair. to get that limit break off. I want to make elf dudes that I can swing with and ramp with. I want to be able to just naturalize stuff. Like, She's just not exciting, like, though. Like, I hear that, and I understand perfectly. But I'm also the guy who plays Kalia and Nekuzar. And those are <sighs> commanders notorious for being boring and straightforward and incredibly linear. Like, I'm fine with a commander that's boring, as long as it does stuff that I want to do. And Freilis just does everything I, thing I want to do in a green deck. You know what Freilis is, man? Freilis is like a really good accountant. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. You're glad it happened. You're like, man, I'm really glad someone does that. When you're in a pinch, cool. I'm glad someone's there to keep me from getting, like, you know, audited by the IRS. But no one gives a shit. It's not the guy you invite to parties. It's just like the guy you call once a year. That's it. So this is the part where we realize that I am way more Melvin than Vorthos. Like, like I'm that guy who's looking at uh, just kind of a plain old church, but he's super excited because he's noticing how the arch supports are built into the, the frame and all that stuff. And everyone else is looking at him like, okay, it's wood. What's your point? Will, you're the dude who used to write the Savor the Commander Flavor article. How can you not be the fucking flavor yeah. guy? Like, I like flavor, but when it comes to, like, card design and deck building and stuff like that, I am just way more Melvin. All right. You know, I, I've got I've got an easy way of dealing with this. Uh, Braley is out of the five, probably the most boring commander, and I can explain exactly why. Her plus two, I could have gotten a better effect from Nahiri. Uh, I got Doretti's effect, which I think is good. 
I don't think I want to spend five mana for a one-one land or elf. Because at least with Nahiri, I'm getting a one-one, but that one-one could easily be a seven-seven depending on what equipment I have on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Two or minus two, the naturalized ability. Yeah, naturalized is cool, but I don't think I want to pay five mana for a naturalized. You ready? Yeah, minus two. Sure, I can turn my soul ring into a fucking worm cool engine. Now, Nixlus, minus two, I get a 5-5 five, five demon. Nefiri, I'm not minus two, but I get to untap four permanents, and Nefiri, I get to take any equipment that I've had in my hand or have played and bring it back, which is pretty much awesome. So granted, naturalized is okay, but, you know, not something I'd want to do for five. And then her ultimate is, like, yeah, I get to draw, but if I have no creatures, that ultimate is pointless. If you're ready, I mean, granted, most of the ultimates on these creatures, on these planeswalkers, are actually kind of pointless, except for maybe Nahiri. But in the same token, you're not really trying, you don't really care about the ultimate. So, for her mana cost, granted, she does the things you want, she does fit the bill, but she didn't have to be here. She could have been anywhere else, and no, and nobody would have batted an eye. Here's the reason why I personally look at it is like, look, I understand, they printed it, it's cool she's there, it's nice to know she's around, but as far as like, you know, exclusively for something so, cause, think of it, commander, products like these are the perfect place for wizards to print things that are too broken to go into standard and into legacy and are able to go to legacy things they don't want like trolling around in modern right this is the kind of card where this easily could have just been in like battle for zendikar and i wouldn't even have like i wouldn't even have cared you see i'm not even trying to deny that she's boring like i perfectly understand that she does not excite a lot of people i'm just saying i'm excited you like her Yes, I'm excited by the fact that she's just, like Mark said, a solid card. Like, she doesn't excite anybody, but I am personally excited by the fact that she has solid versatility. And what I'm trying to say is, is that she's vanilla ice cream. I get excited yeah. about and vanilla nobody, ice cream because it's fucking ice cream. Yeah, but the thing is, nobody you. walks into a fucking, like, Ben and Jerry's or fucking Bastion Robbins, and just wants the fucking vanilla. You go into these specialty places, you wanted vanilla, you could have got that shit from Pathmark. You hey, ain't hey, need hey. to go all Jenny's the way out. Splendid Ice Cream has amazing vanilla. Like, I would get just a double scoop of their vanilla, because it is amazing <coughs> vanilla. And that is what Freilis is like. So let's go ahead and go on to the second commander. Mark, did you have something? I did. I think, Calvin, you're close, man, but I wouldn't even give her vanilla ice cream, because I like vanilla ice cream. Fraley's is like Ouch. a really good, a really good loaf of Wonder Bread. That's it. <laughs> well, what like she, else are you she ain't, make she ain't shit on her own. She needs other shit to do shit with, and no one gives a fuck about the Wonder Bread. All right, hey, it's all the hey. other stuff that you put in that or in between it that can make a good sandwich, but then no one gives a shit about the Wonder Bread. Hey, have you That's tried what, making peanut butter jelly with shit like bread? Because she's, she's a support for the, she, she's the bread. She she's is. The support. I'm not yeah. here because I want the bread. I'm here because I want the <laughs> buffalo chicken with the cheese and the blue cheese on it, but I can't eat it with my bare hands because that shit's messy. I exactly. need a piece of bread just to sit here to keep this so I can be able to eat the sandwich I wanted. Yeah, man, like, I like the green deck, but I don't give a fuck about Fraylise because no, she is no, the white bread. That's even better. Because you know what? If she's doing her job, you don't notice it. But if she's not doing her job, well, then somebody's down fucked up and everybody's upset. But what we're saying is, is that we could easily have had like some like jalapeno flavored bread or like some extra cheddar bread or I don't know, a piece of Texas toast. And that sandwich could have been way better. Mm-hmm. But no, we got a sandwich. But you know, it's, it's like you had the choice. You could have had a sandwich made from you from like, I don't know, like Blimpies or Arby's or whatever place you're going to and got and, like a cinnamon seeds and whatever. And it actually got a chance to enjoy the bread and the meat and the sauce and the cheese. 
but no, you decided to make one at home. And yeah, you're gonna, you're not gonna starve. But in the same token, when lunch is over, you're not gonna give a fuck. Fraley's Land of War's bread. And you know what? Maybe that's another part of what feels <laughs> Because it's not that Fraley's is outstanding by her, on her own, but she contributes more than the sum of her parts to the greater whole. No. And as a Melvin, uh, that appears. No. She contributes exactly the sum of her part to the <laughs> yes. greater whole. Nothing more, nothing less. Okay, fuck you guys. We're going on to Titania, Protective Argos. For three now, green. This is something we're talking about. Exactly. Oh, yep. So for three green green, it's a 5-3 legendary elemental. When Titania, Protective Argos, enters the battlefield, return target land from your graveyard to the battlefield. When a land you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, put a 5-3 green elemental creature token onto the battlefield. So right now, I'm, I'm just in a constant debate with a friend of mine who, th- this is his tier S deck. This is the deck that he brings out when it's time for the big guns. Oh yeah. He, yeah. Pr- I pronounce it Titania. He pronounces it Titania. Uh... Titania is correct if you're going with like the Eastern pronunciation of things, like Urza Titania from Fairy Tale. I Actually... don't. I Hold go on. to Western Titania because I see Titan, and I see IA after that, so it's Titania for me. Yo, man, for it's it's fantasy names. Who gives a shit? I do because I argue semantics like nonstop. Yo, Hold hey, Mister Mister, I'm a me- literally told us that he would rather play the <laughs> vanilla bread version of a planeswalker out of this set, but now he's complaining yes. over the name. Thank you, Calvin. Thank name. you. Just said they give a shit about flavor. This is no, not it's about real. structure a, of language. Okay? There's a pain right behind my left fucking eye. It's just throbbing right now. <laughs> I didn't say You're I like didn't care about flavor. Person I've ever met right now. <laughs> <laughs> how how can well, you flip so after, damn in less than a minute? Damn. After consulting with my English major girlfriend sitting Get across the play. room, um, I'm Allery. Shakespeare has had characters with that name and in the british it is pronounced titania however titania is a perfectly acceptable pronunciation as well american english America. so they're both correct did we just say that we just said that <laughs> i wasn't listening i was consulting oh see but now okay i think i need the fault the fault of the shakespeare here <laughs> all right so now you no, guys you don't both, no you don't so you're both because right you're both no. right you don't get to yeah yeah you don't default to the shakespeare unless you call the trunk of your car the fucking boot Unless you say the shit in your, in your, like the expired shit in your fridge has gone off. Like, no, man, you don't do that shit. <laughs> we, still, we call you bovine a cow, okay? It's fine. Uh. We still call a bovine a cow. I find it acceptable. That makes no fucking sense, man. <laughs> None. Bovine is a scientific name. <laughs> like, that's an, like, no, that doesn't make any No. I'm just going right, to go so rub that in my fucking The protector eye. of Argos is oh. actually pretty sweet. Because, one, the fact that you lands actually show up and potentially can get to a 5-5 five, five elemental is awesome. Five, three. Now all those, that's the 5-3 land, not 5-3 creature is awesome. Now all those uh, evolving wilds, those terraformorphic expanses, those uh, fetch lands you've been playing around with. Or, awesome or the sweet new land that we're going to talk about on next week's show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then, like, you, you toss those things into here, and boom, you're getting yourself an army while fixing yourself up or searching for more lands, or if you have her in a different thing, you're... It's the only monocolor deck that you would play something like Scapeshift in. All right, yeah, so... Right. Okay, so let me lay this out there. How good Crucible is... Crucible of Pearl. Not just Crucible of Titania is so good, she makes Wood Elemental playable. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Wood Elemental. 
Which, yes. for newer listeners, Wood Elemental is a four-mana tree folk thing that says when you just play, you sacrifice untapped forest. So not even the forest you use to pay for him. Untapped forest. And his power and toughness is equal to the number of forests you sacrifice in this way. So that's, so you're paying essentially five lands to play a 1-1. Which, it, it just gets worse from there. But with Tanya out, you sacrifice all those forests and suddenly you have an army of fire threes. You got Concordia Crossroads out? Good for you. You just won the game. Like, yeah, Jesus. Really couldn't do that for you, Will. No, she can't, and I'm fine with that. Like, Titania is just... Really doesn't make anything good. But Titania is just scary good. Like, so good, in fact, that I've actually put her into my Carador deck, and I've slowly been modifying the deck to have kind of a lands package, which it already kind of did with Life of the Loam, but now it's got stuff like Glacial Chasm and, and all that, and it's just stupid. <laughs> Mark? I would like to point out, listeners, that if you... If you just rewind a little bit, like I'm talking like five minutes, you will notice that it was it was Titania for Will about five minutes ago, maybe six minutes ago now. And then he flip-flopped even on the goddamn name. I've been watching too much Fairy Tale, and I keep slipping into Titania anyway, so I'm just giving up at this point. You anyway, win. Titania's you, you, sellout. You win, buddy. You win. Can't Titania's wait. the nuts. She's just so cool, man. I'm glad you brought that point about Wood Elemental, because ever since... I want to say, who brought it up to me? I want to say Noel brought it up to me. And I'm like, dude, that see, that is the mark of quality to me. If you can go back and you're all of a sudden like a new card just makes some old piece of shit like all of a sudden amazing. There oh, we go. Dude. That gets a seal of approval. In the, in the new decks, they put Sylvan Safekeeper in there, which is like the Wombo. <laughs> I know, man. And that's what I mean. That's why I think this was like easily my favorite point. This has to be my favorite commander, um, set yet because you could tell like the people who actually built these things play a shitload of commander because they had that crap in there you're just like you know what would be awesome sylvan safekeeper you know like you know what would be awesome than Doretti? worm coil Indian. and like that thing when you look at the commander and you're like oh shit like this card would be amazing and then boom it's in there so all right so titania yay or nay oh yeah oh, obviously oh, yeah. yeah definitely yay do I want to ask you guys about Freilis? No. No, you don't. Do you want That's to not a thing you even want to try to do. Because we're not afraid to hurt your feelings. If you want to ask, we'll, we'll answer it. Yay or nay on Freilis? Show nay. it! Nay. I can't even summon up the energy to say nay on Freilis. That's how fucking vanilla this girl is. But you just, just did. Yeah. But how, how can you turn down Wonder Bread, Mark? I don't know, man. I guess maybe, maybe if you cut the crust off. Shit, I don't know. Put some mustard on that thing. Like, it's not, there's nothing wrong with Wonder Bread, right? But it ain't, it ain't the thing you're excited about, so. Well, I say you yeah. answer I mean, you know, it's kind of like having tofu. I mean, granted, yeah, it's filling, but, you know. Yeah. Did you really actually eat? Nah, not really. That's a good metaphor for this, too, man, because you know what? Nobody eats just plain tofu. Like, and, like, for Elise on her own, she don't do shit, so. So, that's been all ten of the brand new commanders that were in 2014. So, guys, how do we feel about these guys overall? Overall? I think it was actually pretty good. I mean, you know, out of five Planeswalkers, three of them were awesome. One of them hit the middle ground mark of just being decent enough to be like, you know, you can look at it, but don't, like, have to turn it down. And out of the five Legends, what was it, like, four of them were actually really, like, three of them actually were really good. One of them is, like, you know, good if it's your commander, and the other one no one played with because it was supposed to be high tide. So what you're saying is there were really only nine commanders in this set. Yeah. But there was a tenth one? No, there wasn't. But yo, high 
high tide is the, the shit as a commander. No, wait, no, no, no. I, there was a tenth. There was a tenth would, one here. Did, wasn't there that uh, other black commander in the black one? Drana? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, there's your tenth commander right there. See, there were ten legendary. There were ten commanders in this. What was the other blue one? Oh, Lorthos. Oh, that one's that one's the shit. Okay. See? Yeah. I'm back on. Yeah. All right. So now that we've done the commanders, it's time for us to go into our next segment where we're going to talk about the decks overall and a lot of the new cards that came in those decks. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. I haven't had a chance to really get any good things out of it. Crown of Doom and Commander's Fear. <laughs> Come on, guys. Dude, Crown of Doom is well, our can... baby. That's true. Yeah, yeah we have to do like a little special. It was our card. It's the crown. It's our chance to bring them up and actually go back and be like, yeah, see this? We got the chance to see it and, well, we didn't get a chance to play with it, but we got to see it and think of how amazing it was. Now it's time for us to go ahead and talk about the decks and some of the individual cards. And, per Mark's suggestion, we're going to go ahead and hit on two very prominent cycles first. So, Mark, which cycle are we heading up first? We're going to do Lieutenant Cycle. Or maybe, I guess, because somehow we adopted the British English, the Lieutenant Cycle. Fuck y'all. What? What? Lieutenant? That's how it's pronounced in England. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we? I thought we were on the, the Titania podcast. This is my turn to get all huffy. I, I've never heard that before. <laughs> huh? It's because you all weren't I, in the military, man. I don't know. Or maybe, I don't know. Listen to some old, like, British World War II movies. Yeah, they call it Lieutenant. I'm not fucking shitting you with the thing. Ask your girlfriend. Yeah. All right, so, Lieutenant. Lieutenant was the new commander-exclusive mechanic that came out that basically said, hey, if these guys are on your field at the same time as your commander, they're going to get, like, plus two, plus two, and some sort of a bonus. So, how do you guys want to do this? I will take the green one, because it's fucking busted. The green one is really good. And yeah, we'll save I that will for take the end. white one, because I personally think it was pointless. Mark's going to take the blue one. Yeah. So Crack I guess you're stuck with the black one. I don't want the black one. Count the red one. The red one's sweet. No, I'll take the red one, because you did the black and the green one, so I'll take the white and the red one. All right, then, Calvin, what does the white one do? So the right one was the Angelic Field Marshal. It's two colors. It's double white. It's an angel. It's flying, and it's a 3-3. And it had this piece of text underneath it that basically said you could swap this card out of your deck for any other cards you possibly could want. Oh, wait, no, that's not what that reads. That says um, as long as you control your commander, it gets plus two, plus two, and vigilant. No, no, actually, that's supposed to, like, there must have been a Roderick somewhere. Because technically, this card comes out of your deck and then goes somewhere into, like, a binder or to be forgotten for ancient times, and then replaced with another angel that's actually more useful, or maybe even another white spell, maybe a path. I don't know. Whatever it suits your fancy. Or it goes into William's white deck, because William yeah, actually see? likes it. Yeah, see? See, you take it out of your deck and you <laughs> give it to William. It goes right into the crap pile next to William's decks. So, Mark, what does the blue one do? Yo, it's a hexproof kraken. What else do you yeah. need, man? Also, it draws you some fucking cards occasionally. But really, it's like a 7-7 seven, seven unblockable, because no one's going to block this motherfucker unless they have to. Um, the crack, the Storm Surge Kraken is a 5-cost, 3-colors, 2-blue mana, 5-5 five, five, Hexproof Kraken. His Lieutenant ability is, as long as you control your commander, Storm Surge Kraken gets a plus 2, plus 2, and has whenever Storm Surge Kraken becomes blocked, you may draw 2 cards. This dude is the nuts. 
they just get, keep getting punched in the face for seven. At some point, they have to block. That is also true. Yeah. Or maybe or, they don't. Yeah. Or maybe you just, yeah. like, you got a 7-7 seven, seven hex proofer, man. Like, unless they got something real serious on the other side, you're probably just smacking the shit out of them. Like, what I, what happened with me, the reason why I didn't used to draw so many cards is because I done killed everything else on the other guy's board. So, because they had blocked, and eventually I stopped, I stopped getting cards because there's nothing left to block my storm search kraken. <laughs> See, I wish mine was that exciting. Demon of Wailing Agonies was three black black, four four demon flying. His lieutenant is, as long as you control your commander, he gets two two and has whenever he deals de- combat damage to a player, that player stacks a creature. It's not bad. It's not bad, yeah. but like, in my meta- got a really like metal name, man. Yeah, but in my meta, there are lots of token decks. So, Fair. like, if he had said, like, that player discards a card, or sack, a permanent, or just something. Like, sacks a creature when they're playing Morath isn't that, eh. Like, I would have settled yeah. for him being six and there being were. a five-five. Yeah, that would probably be better. Like, that, that would actually see playing in Kalia then. Yeah. He does have a really metal name though. I mean, come on, give it up. Demon of Wailing Agonies? Come on. True. True. Uh, let's see here. Next up on the list is the Tyrant's Familiar. It's the most expensive of the Lieutenant. It had its five colors and double red. It's a dragon. It's a five-five. It has flying and it has haste because you know dragons have flying. And typically, if they're in red, they normally have some type of haste. And its left tenant ability is as long as you control your commander, it gets plus two, plus two, and has when uh, the tyrant attacks, it deals seven damage to target creature, defending player control. So you know that thing William was just bitching about with the like the tokens and stuff. You don't have that shit with the tyrant. Because the tyrant just be like, nah, I'm not gonna waste my time blowing up that one one. I'm gonna go ahead and spend my mana and spend my time going after your uh, your your Titania. I'm gonna burn her. Oh, that's a nice uh Gulcaller Gissa you have there. Be a damn shame if something happened to her. This dude is so sweet. Um, and lastly, the green one, the Thunderfoot Baloth. It's a 5-5 beast with trample for 4 green green. And his lieutenant ability is as long as you control your commander, Thunderfoot Baloth gets plus 2 plus 2, so it becomes a 7-7 trample. And other creatures you control get plus 2 plus 2 and have trample. So that basically... Basically yep. all those elves that Freilis has been pumping out, now they're 3-3s. Three yeah. You just paid 6 mana and got like a uh, overrun. It's, yeah, like. it's... A nope. constant overrun that is absolutely insane. Like I consider this thing crater hoof number two in any. Yeah, method. seriously. I think it's it's text box should just read like, do you like to play tokens? Play Thunderfoot Bailoff. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So what do we think of what do we think of these guys as a whole? Like I don't know about you, but I see four pretty solid cards. Three at worst. Eh. I say three one, pretty solid cards. I see one three playable one solid. personally. What? What? You don't even like Tyrant's Familiar, man? Come on. It costs seven fucking mana. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a dragon, man. It's a 5-5 five, five flying haste that'll smack something for seven when it attacks. I've seen 5-5 five, five flying haste dragons for five. Gosh. Come on, man. Come on. Anyways. Yeah, but if you have your commander, it's a 7-7 seven, seven flying dragon. Or haste. Mm-hmm. Does, uh, that, does that dragon you can... you a little bit more? You could at least get past the get by the kraken, right? Like it's a five five for five with hexproof. I I could see the kraken being useful just because of the five five for five with hexproof. But the other ones, the demon, the dragon, and the angel, not so much. 
I mean, this probably doesn't mean anything, but I have legit killed people with Tyrant's Familiar. <laughs> I've also killed people with Stormtrooper's Kraken, so. Fair. But then again, these are my decks, so. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Mileage will vary. Alright then. But, so- uh, out of the five, I would have to say, like, the Thunderfoot Bailoff is, like, the biggest dickest here. It's probably the most vicious of these five creatures all around because it doesn't just affect itself. It affects every creature you've got. I mean, the other ones have abilities and stuff that kind of work and stuff, but Jesus, man. Oh, yeah. Well, the Bailoff does have the biggest dick on the field. That's not, yeah, we're definitely going with that. <laughs> all right, then. So, offering. I call the red one. Divide them up. Yep, I got the blue one. I actually play the red one, so I'm calling it. I play the white one. So it sticks me with either the black or the green one. We'll go with the green right. one. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll take the black and the green one if needed. There we go. All right, then. So Benevolent Offering is an instant for three and a white. Choose an opponent. You and that player each put three 1-1 one, one white spirit creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. Choose an opponent. You gain two life for each creature you control, and that player gains two life for each creature he or she controls. So this actually ended up making it into the Morath instant tokens deck. And... Yeah, I like it quite a bit. For one, it's it's kind of a pseudo-creature fog, like a swinging prosh at you, a thing that he can get through, but no, suddenly surprise spirits. You know, the life gain is also not insignificant. You know, there is the line of play where it's like, well, if you have to choose between giving player A tokens and player B life, then that's fine because player B is not getting any life. But, you know, using that life token to help bolster someone to help them stabilize actually just helps someone get back into the game, maybe when they were having a hard time. And they start becoming relevant again. And that takes pressure away from you. Because now people have to deal with this thing that's rising up and coming back at them with a vengeance. So, yeah, I like it as a very nice stabilizer. <laughs> and it's sunforgerable. Oh, yeah. So, Mark, what's our blue one? Intellectual Offering. Intellectual Offering is a four colorless and one blue mana instant uh, choose an opponent, you and that player each draw three cards, and then you choose an opponent and untap all non-land permanents you control and all non-land permanents that player controls. Man, I remember looking at this card at first and I'm like, yo, this is shit. I don't want to, I don't want to give my opponents cards and I don't want to untap their permanents. This is crazy. Um, even in like a, I don't know, a friendly game, I don't want to do that. But believe it or not, like, I have found this one to be most useful even on just like a one-on-one game. And I'll tell you why. Because also in this deck, they printed Aether Gale, so I I <laughs> never cast I never cast Intellectual Offering without casting Aether Gale right after it. And Aether Gale is just simply return six target non-land permanents to their owner's hand. So I'm just just have all the stuff in your hand, man. You don't need permanents on the board. All the stuff is in your hand. It's good stuff. Well, yeah. that deck also had all the stupid mana rocks, so it's like you just untap all the mana you spent to pay for it. Exactly. So most of the time, you're like, even if you're untapping, like it, I, no, I've done this. This is one of the reasons that it, it turned me around. Like, if you look at your board, if you're playing, especially just the pre-con right out the deck, if you're look, playing your board, you have more more crap that can get you more resources by untapping it than your than your opponents have, especially if it's non-land. Because I mean, yeah. in this deck, you're you're probably playing more mana rocks. The only one that's probably playing a similar amount of mana rocks might be like the Duretti deck, maybe. But even then, you can just untap something other than their artifacts. You know, it's anything. It's not a land. Um. So yeah, man, I love this card. It's really, really good. It's it's like especially if it's one of those things where you have to kind of look at it twice. Um. But five mana, untap all your non-land permanents and draw three cards. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it also has like a lot of good uh, political favor too. You know, you can throw that around the table. So. Yeah. And the one of the one of the things about it is that it's also an instant. So. 
technically it reads pay zero mana, draw three cards, <laughs> untap your permanent, mm-hmm. and yeah. then counter whatever your opponent decides to do. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is almost like Teferi. Like, if you're doing it right, you're probably, you're, you're certainly not paying five for it, but half the time this ended up being free for me. Like, I made a little mana on this exchange an awful lot, so. Mm-hmm. so Alright, okay. So, I think you're up. As I, as I pointed out, the, in, the intellectual offering, that's also an, that's an instant. The white one, that's an instant. Now let's go ahead and look at this. Oh, this is not an instant? Oh, it's a sorcery? Oh, so let's see. This must suck. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Infernal offering. Four colorless, and a black, sorcery. Choose an opponent. You and that player each sacrifice a creature. Each player who sacrificed a creature this way draws two cards. Second ability is choose an opponent. Return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Then the player, then that player returns a creature card from his or her graveyard to the battlefield. Alright. So let me get this straight. On my turn, I'm gonna pay five mana. Blow something up on my side. Maybe kill a guy on the other opponent's side. He gets two cards. I get two cards. Then, then that's saying if I have a creature or if he has a creature. If I choose an opponent that doesn't have a creature, then I just draw two cards and I blew up a creature for it. Most of my creatures on my field are typically things I want, so I don't really see the real appeal on that first ability. Second ability? Okay, I get a creature from my graveyard that I want, but now i got to let them get something from there, so now i got to find an opponent that has a graveyard with no creatures in it by the time I have five mana. Hmm. Mm. Not really sure if that's something else I want to do. (laughs) I mean, people might be playing control decks where they don't have creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an option. That that that, that can happen. I'm not saying it won't. You know, I'm not saying that this card is like complete shit all the time. No. But I'm just saying that in most games, Hmm. it's it's not really giving you anything you want to do for that five mana. It's also hilariously versatile, though. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, but if this was, like, an instant, then, yeah, of course I'd go ahead and do it, because, like, instant speed in a turn, like, you just played your commander, cast it, make you sacrifice your commander, draw two cards, then I go, and I drew two cards after I blew up with, like, I don't know, a zombie token, fine. But I don't want to lose five mana on my turn for that. Fair. Mark? See, even in, alright, so, even in Magical Christmas Land, where you're playing against a control guy, we're we're, we're taking the off-ramp to Magical Christmas Land for a second. So, you're playing against the guy who's got no creature. He's just playing creatureless deck, alright? Except for his commander. And you cast Infernal Offering, and you're like, yeah. So you kill something, let's say it's a token, whatever, zombie token, and you get the two cards. Alright, you're doing okay. And then, like, you get all the upside by returning a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Oh man. Like, eh. <laughs> Even in Magical Five Christmas minutes. Land, this I- is eh. <laughs> If I, I mean, manager, I just drew two cards and got a guy, even though I had what? to lose a guy. I mean, one one thing I want to see someone do with this is, like, if you have one opponent who's playing Voltron, and they literally have one creature on the board, yeah. um, and another opponent with no creatures in their graveyard. So you're like, I'm going to cast Infernal Offering, I'm going to sacrifice this Eternal Witness, and you sack your commander, we both draw two cards, I'm going to reanimate my Eternal Witness to get my Infernal Offering back to my hand. Again, that is that you you have ascended the peak of Mount Magical Christmas Land at that point. So, but see, here the thing is though, Clay is, is that in that situation, like it, it's good in that situation, but you don't get to choose the creature your opponent sacks. So if they find a way to like instant speed in a token or flash a dude in, they still yeah. keep their general. 
Um, the so it's other not like, magical so. Christmas landy thing that we can do with we'll this. See, hold, we'll see. Hold on. Hold on. The problem, the problem hold on. With that can, is, I, can, I, can I finish my last magical Christmas land thing? Sure, I was going to point out the flan to white Calvin was poking hosen. The reanimation isn't optional if an opponent has, you know, phage in their graveyard. Yeah. And that's their only creature in the graveyard. Game. Oh man, <laughs> we have, we definitely have, we just fucking built a house. We built a summer home on top of Magical Christmas Land, just there. Alright, well, come Cal- on, try and spin this crappy card. Because well, I was gonna say, Calvin, is that choosing an opponent is part of the spell's resolution. So they can't make okay. a token or flash a dude in, in response to you choosing them, so that they can get stuff back. True. Alright. So, one, so there's not, there's that. Two, I actually like this in my Farika deck, because I can oh, just get, because I can just get all political <laughs> and give them a snake to sacrifice to draw two cards in exchange for exile for some, their reanimation target or exile their reanimation target. But see, I can play it that way and get some. Oh, let's just say unconditional favors later. I mean, I guess. But how many other resources did you just invest in that? I'm playing so for let's see, at, you. At not, so, 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 so what you did is you one, you had to cast your commander. Then you had to activate your commander's ability, hopefully for the person that has something in their graveyard that you want to favor from, that they would be willing to lose from their graveyard for your stupid 1-1 snake. And then you're going to pay five mana on your turn, because it's a sorcery, and basically give up your turn so they can draw two cards. Yeah. That, 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 that's your favor. You basically gave up, what, five, six, seven, eight, nine? You gave up, what, like ten mana? For the chance to wait, get wait, someone else in the uh, game. Wait, hold on. Them? Hold on, wait a second. How much, how much is, um, Farika's casting cost? Three? Three. And this thing is five, so that's eight. Farika's activated ability for the snake? Two. Yeah, so yeah, you, so you basically are gonna spend ten mana to attempt to gain two cards, and maybe a creature from your graveyard, if you happen to be, like, you know, the deck that had something in there, and attempt to gain favor with an, with an opponent. Maybe two. Potentially yes. returning something good for somebody else, and getting someone else two cards. That's your that's your game plan. That's your strategy. I'm gonna give up ten mana to help these two guys who I'm literally trying to kill. Shut up, Navi, and try to kill these two guys in order to gain favor so that they won't kill me. Uh, you know what? Would you Clay? pay ten mana for them next? Uh, Clay, what what what's our next card? <laughs> uh, let's let's yeah, move, we on move on here. Yeah. Um, my personal favorite of the offering cycle is the red one. Um, it's yeah, it is. It's it's yeah. the awkward one that you have to choose your opponents before you you have to choose the opponent choices before you choose your targets because your opponents also choose some targets. Uh, volcanic offering costs four and a red and it's an instant, so we are back to instant speed land. Destroy target non basic land you don't control and target non basic land of an opponent's choice you don't control. Volcanic offering deals seven damage to target creature you don't control and seven damage to target creature of an opponent's choice you don't control. This card is batshit crazy. Like, if you and one of your opponents are in a buddy-buddy situation where someone's getting problematic, someone has a Guy's Cradle, someone has a Maze of Ith that's being problematic, blow them both up. Someone has a 13-13 commander that they're killing people with, blow it up. Someone has two, like, 7-7s seven or less, blow them both up. At instant speed. It's crazy. Like yeah, it's pure it upside, is. man. Pure upside. There, there is no downside to this card. Yeah. This is this all. is a good card. 
Infernal Offering is not a good card, all right? <laughs> There's no magical Christmas land needed for Volcanic Offering. Like, when I read you that, I thought it was going to be... Yeah, you just cast shit. When, like, when this first got spoiled, I remember reading the first half and being like, like, oh, destroy target non-basic land you don't control. And then, because I've been horribly scarred by old red cards of the past, I'm like, oh, the next one's going to be opponent gets to choose one you control. And then it said, nope, opponent's choice you don't control. And I'm like, oh shit. And then it happened again with the seven damage. And like, I read it and I'm like, oh, oh, seven damage target creature you don't control? Okay, yeah, well this time it's definitely gonna be, oh shit, it's still one you don't control. Like, yes, just play this card. There we go. That's, the answer is play this card. If you have red in your deck, play the card. Unlike the rest of the offering cycle, there is literally no downside to volcanic offering at all. Exactly. It's the best. Even when you get down to, it's good when you have a group of people, because you don't lose anything. It's good when you get down to the like the knit wire and it's you and one other player because now he's got to take everything. It's I mean, awesome. he can just choose the same things that you chose, but that's still blowing up a land and a dude for five mana at instant. Exactly. And you know, even, even if your opponent doesn't realize he can choose the same things, like if he like randomly doesn't decide to do that, like he's like, oh man, I got to choose something else. I, Alright, fine, go ahead, pick something else if you want. Blow up a second land. Thank you very much, sir. May I have another? Yeah, Calvin just stole my thunder on that one, man. Yeah, you can be kind of a dick with this card. <laughs> Especially if you're playing <laughs> against people who, like, who don't know. <laughs> yeah, so. That happened to uh, me, actually. Because I'm an idiot and I didn't realize I, did, I could just choose the same thing. And then afterwards, my, my buddy blew up two of my fucking lands. He's like, dude, you could have just chosen the same land. <laughs> fucking ass. Because it doesn't say another target non-basic or another yeah. target. Yep. Which yeah, is right. why it's surprisingly versatile if one person has a really big thing. If you and someone else go in together, you can just blow the crap out of it. Yeah, 14 damage to one dude. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Stack it on the stuff. Kill Titans if it wanted to. <laughs> oh. You can make it dome right, someone if someone mm-hmm. else has stuff. Damn right. Alright, so let's see. Let's round out the last of this cycle. Uh, what's it? It's a uh, Sylvan offering. It's X and a green. It's, uh, look, it's also a sorcery. Whoopsie do. Uh, choose an opponent. You and that player each get an XX green treefold creature token onto the battlefield. Okay? Choose an opponent. You and that player each get X11 green elf warrior creature tokens onto the battlefield. Now, this one, I would actually say I'm for. You know why? Because its converted mana cost is green. It, it it only costs you technically whatever you want to put into it. Fair. Unlike in, unlike Infernal Offering, where you have to pay five mana to get that, and you're not really getting anything. If I only want to play this, and I want to like I don't know, I'm gonna pay three mana, get myself a two two out, get me get myself two one ones and a two two three four. That's fine if I've got the mana for it. Also, I'm in green, so I can easily pump out more lands and potentially generate more mana one way or another. I can make this thing bigger if I really felt like it. And if I feel I can win the game with it, sure, go right ahead. Plus, my army will also automatically be bigger than whatever my opponent has, because even though they're getting the same thing, I'm getting both. Um, The only reason that I think I would play this is if I were in green-white and I had an Elishnorn on the field to completely, you know, wipe out all of the green elves. Or if I mm-hmm. were about to follow it up with a Massacre Worm in green-black, be like, I'm going to give you... Or- I'm going to give you 10 one ones this turn, and then I'm going to kill them all next turn with Massacre Worm. Sorry. But, yep. Or if you had this guy, and you had your commander out, and your uh, Thunderfoot Bailoff, ugh, 
things are going to get nasty because everything I just made, yeah, it's getting plus two, plus two, and has trample. Enjoy that, gentlemen. <sighs> okay, so now that we've ran through this particular cycle, we all basically know the black one sucks. I'm not even going to ask William's opinion. So out of the four cards in this cycle, which ones do we actually, like, you know, approve of? Mark? Well, I mean, Volcanic Offering is the best. Like, I think that one's hands down. So the next yeah, one right. for me is an Intellectual Offering. I, I don't know, like, Sylvan Offering and Benevolent Offering? Eh. And then Infernal Offering? Just no. Like, just just, that, just don't. Don't do it, man. Okay, Clay. Give us your order. Volcanic Offering. Um, yep. I guess Intellectual Offering would have to come after that, but... I guess benevolent would be third, and then Sylvan offering and Infernal offering are just kind of conditional. Yeah. Me personally, I would go obviously with the volcanic, the intellectual. I would say Sylvan beats out the benevolent because with benevolent, I have to pay the four mana and I get the three one one spirit tokens. But with the with the green offering, I have the option to get as many tokens as I want if I'm into the idea of tokens, and I don't have to deal with the life gain accidentally making my opponent live longer than I wanted him to. Mm. So, Will, go ahead. Tell us about how much, how, how Infernal Offering is at the top of your list. Um, I think I actually like Benevolent Offering more. What? Which one? Benevolent Offering. The one that makes spirits and gains life. Uh, so, Infernal Offering is the second best card. So, Infernal Offering is the second best card to you, then? No, I think Infernal Offering is actually number three. Like, Volcanic Offering is just really strong. Uh, Volcanic Offering is just too good. Yeah. I can't believe that this guy is the hope. Is our leader. How in the hell does Infernal Offering place third in this list, huge? Oh, man. Like, I'm just, like, I'm just not a fan of giving, like, in my meta, I'm not a fan of giving people draw cards or a bunch of tokens, because they are often in positions to abuse those bunch of tokens. But you are in the mood to blow up your own shit so somebody else can draw two cards. I mean, yeah. We probably shouldn't unpack this. We should probably just let this be. Alright, so guys, let's go ahead and start going into the non-cyclables here. And I'm going to use this real quick to say, fuck Aethersnap. Like, Jesus Christ, why was this? No, I know why that was in there. But I just, Aethersnap, that five-man sorcery that was in the Black Precon. Remove all counters from all permanents and exile all tokens. This, it could have been literally any other rare. And I think it would have been less stupid. Just, just uh, if you're yeah, playing, if you're playing with the other precons, I guess it's okay. Like you're assuming that they're also using planeswalkers as their commanders. Like I get it, that's why it's in there. But if you're playing against people who aren't just using the precon, it's miserably dead in your hands. <laughs> like it's not even a body you can sacrifice to Gissa or anything like that. It's just stupid in your hand. So with that out of the way, guys, let's talk about cards we actually like. Uh, <laughs> Calvin. Uh, okay, cards I liked out of this entire cycle of cards from this thing. I'm going straight to the, um, Reef Worm. Three colorless double, the three colorless blue worm, zero one. That's right, it's a zero one. I paid four mana. So what? I don't care, cause when it dies, I'm getting a three three fish that when it dies, it's gonna get me a six six whale that when it dies, it's gonna get me a nine nine kraken. This fish? And it, it's probably my favorite card out of this entire like five decks, mainly because the artwork for it was amazing. The worm has the fish sneaking up behind it in the artwork, and then when you get the tokens for it, like it just progressively keeps going up until you see a kraken in a boat. I was actually kind of waiting for the kraken to die and get like a twelve twelve boat. <laughs> 
But where yeah, would man. you even put a boat that big? On top of the water. Duh. <laughs> oh. Maybe that's what Dan Dan was about to eat. Mm. All right, so who has the next Um, I guess I can go next. Yeah. Um, my absolute favorite card out of the entire Commander set from last year um, is Scrap Mastery. It's from the red deck. Um, it's got some sweet art of Duretti, like, rifling through some shit. And costs three, a red and a red. It's a sorcery. Um, each player exiles all artifact cards from his or her graveyard, then sacrifices all artifacts he or she controls, then returns the exiled cards to the battlefield. So, living death, but for artifacts. The number of times that I've just been able to, like, fill my graveyard and scrap mastery into a win... The number of times that I've been able to sacrifice my board to Court Clan Ironworks for mana and Scrap Mastery for the win has been pretty insane. I resolve this card and it usually wins me the game. It's that. Yeah, the best good. part about it is because it's like um, all artifact based. If your deck is already designed towards that, most other decks don't have that many artifacts. Oh yeah. I mean, like Living Death, like everybody has creatures except for the guy who's obviously playing no creature control deck that William is. Uh, magic Christmas landing about with his mono black offering. But with this, it's like, you know, you're basically going to be the main person putting stuff in there. And if you're using either one of the commanders from this, you're guaranteed to just continuously have stuff just going into your graveyard and art artifacts of some form or another. So who's next? So Mark, which, which would be your favorite card from this entire set so far? Outside so, I know, I know I'm a dork, man. I always look for the lands and artifacts first. And absolutely, hands down, my favorite card from this set was Myriad Landscape. I, the minute this thing got spoiled, I think I probably bought two play sets. Um, it, it, it's just so fucking good, man. Do you like Cross and Verge? If the answer is yes, go buy the colorless Cross and Verge. I mean, for me, who plays a lot of like two color and, and monocolor decks, like this is a, a no brainer. Like, why would I not throw this in a monocolor deck? Um, it's so good, man. I mean, Cross and Verge, for anybody who doesn't, or I'm sorry. Myriad Landscape, same fucking thing almost. Um, Myriad Landscape enters the battlefield, tap, you can tap it for one colorless mana, or pay two colorless and tap it to sack Myriad Landscape, search your library for up to two basic land cards that share a land type, put them onto the battlefield, tap, and then shuffle your library. I tell you what, this card is so good, there are so few things in life I think that me and Grandpa Growth agree on, we both agree on Myriad Landscape. That must say something. There's a confluence here of disparate opinions that center around the awesomeness of Myriad Landscape. Go buy more of them. Put them in your decks. All right. All right, well, what's yours? Oh, what's mine? Just a little something called the Crown of Doom. So, for people who don't remember, it was actually our first ever preview card. For three mana, it's an artifact. Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, it gets 2-0 into end of turn. Pay 2 mana, target player other than Crown of Doom's owner gains control of it. Activate this ability only during your turn. <laughs> so cute. It is cute, and Ib loves his new hat. Like, just giving someone the hot potato and then swinging goblins at them. I mean, sure, you have to deal with the aftermath that now they're dead, and now you have the Crown of Doom, but goblins weren't exactly long-term thinkers to begin with. The only thing is, I kind of wish that this was in the uh, the Duretti deck. Yeah. It uh, ended up, what, in the blue one of all things? Yeah. It ended up in, like, the black one, right? No. No it, was in the, no, it was in the blue one. Yeah. It was, weird, made, it was no a weird sense. fit in the blue one, but, um, I don't know, man. Like, I really dig this one. no sense in that deck. <laughs> 
It do, it totally makes zero sense in that fucking deck. Absolutely none. Like, it would have been sweet. Like, this one does its best work with some small creatures or tokens, so it would have been awesome if it was in the green deck. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you could... I'm just going to say this. Like, maybe you could take out Wolf Caller's Howl, because that card blows ass. It really maybe you could, Maybe you could just yeah. drop the um, Planeswalker that came with that. That's true. Yeah, you could do that, too. And then put in Crown of Doom. What are you talking about? Draw's not a Planeswalker. He's often not green. Who? Exactly. Who? exactly. So, so Cal... Calvin, what's your next card? Let's see here. The next card that I got up on the list here. What was it? Uh, Ephergale? Ephergale? Ephergale. Ephergale. Uh, three colors, double blue, sorcery. Strangely enough, as the red player, I'm going all in on blue tonight. But Ephergale, three colors, sorcery. It's three colors, double blue for sorcery. Return six target non-land permanent to their owner's hand. This thing. So uh So good. Man. In, in the deck. Okay. In this deck, there was another creature that came in. It was a uh, like a Hoverguard Sweeper or something like that. Yeah. Into the battlefield, you could return like <laughs> two non-land creatures to the owner's hand. This thing beat that thing out to the water. But between that and this, it's it, you have no idea how many games that I would win just because I could continuously keep my opponent from having any damn thing on the field. <laughs> and all I had was all the rocks, all the land. High tide for days. Hell yeah. Just, hey, didn't they reprint Cyclonic Rift in this too? They it, did, it yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was like all the bounce for days, man. I fucking love this. I still have the blue together as, as is, like just as a precon, cause it's so fun to play. I mean, like I just, I just cycle the, the other commander when he comes up, but the other one, 99 cards are wicked awesome. Uh, the deck also had distorting wave too. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mark, what's your next card? Yo, Too many good. Dual, dual Caster Mage is my next one. Um, do you like Fork? If you like Fork, get some Dual Caster Mage. Um, do you like Fork that goes infinite with uh, Rite of Replication? Do you like Fork that you can pay three mana and get every time you have Felden out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really what he does in that deck. I mean, Dual Caster Mage is might as well be called like how I learned to love like redirecting spells, man. Like, god damn, I love this card. Um, just for all the reasons that, that Clay and Will just, just brought up. It's just so good. And I don't know, like, I think he's fallen off. He, remember when he was crazy expensive when he got spoiled? Like, people thought he was gonna be good in Legacy. Yeah, like, Containment Priest and Dual Caster Mage were both, like, bananas when they first got spoiled. Um, and Dual, ca- and Containment Priest has kept a little bit of, it, of its price, but not so much Dual Caster Mage. So just go out and pick some up, man. Like, Fork is nuts. Like, this dude's the nuts. He's way easier to recur. Like, yeah, go pick him up. All right, then, Clay, what's your pick? Um, My second card also comes from the red deck. Um, It's Impact Resonance, which I think we probably talked about a couple weeks ago um, when we talked about Burn, but it's an instant, costs one or red. Um, Impact Resonance deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures, where X is the greatest amount of damage dealt this turn by a source to a permanent or player. So basically, um, if your opponent attacks with like a 15-15, and regardless of whether it gets blocked or not, it deals the full 15 damage, um, you cast this thing and you can throw 15 damage around amongst creatures. Um, if your opponent's creatures all have double strike, you and their power is equal to their toughness before they deal their regular damage, you can just use impact resonance and blow them all up. You can use it to... It's just really versatile. Like, I have followed up Anger of the Gods with it, like, 
someone had like a grave titan or something like that. And I was just like, okay, Anger of the Gods, we're going to wipe all the tokens, we're going to wipe all the small things, Impact Resonance deal another three damage to Grave Titan, it gets exiled. That sort of thing. It just adds extra damage, it can help you wipe the board really, really fast. Hmm. Hmm. Next. Oh, Blue. right. So, for me, the next one has actually caused people to start spitting some of this. It's Wave of Vitriol. For five green green, you get a sword feed that says each player sacks all artifacts and enchantments and non-basic lands he or she controls. For each land sacrificed this way, its controller may search for a basic land and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Then each player who searched his or her library this way shuffles it. So I still have the green precon just as a precon on Moto, and I have wrecked so many pods with Wave of Vitriol. Where it's like, oh, it's the Mouse and Wanderer deck, and they're playing like four artifacts so they can ramp out Mouse and Wanderer, and oh, look, oh, those pretty lands. It'd be a shame if someone got rid of them. Like, it's, it's a really cool green board wipe that leaves all the creatures in play, and it really does just wreck some decks, especially on Moto. Like, it's never been a disappointment for me. Uh, Mark, did you have something on Wave of Vitriol? I no, I never got a chance to play it, man. Again, that's one of those cards that just never came up in my in like I know it's in the ninety nine, like I have it in the deck, but I never got a chance to play it. But kinda cool. Okay. Uh Mark, what's your last card? My last card is Arcane Laboratory. Or I'm sorry, Arcane, Arcane Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Sorry. Um Arcane Lighthouse is another colorless land. There's a theme here tonight. Um you tap it to add one colorless land to your mana pool or do something that even the cool little artifact out of, I want to say it was a Return to Ravnica, does not do. Um, you pay one and tap it until end of turn. Creatures your opponents control lose Hexproof and Shroud and can't have Hexproof or Shroud. So I think, uh, was it Glaring Spotlight was the, yeah. the one I'm talking about? But don't you have to tap that and That's sack right. it? Um, yeah. Tapping and sacking it makes your dudes unblockable. But okay. you can target your opponent's stuff with Hexproof, as if they didn't have it, regardless. This one is just all creatures lose Hexproof. Like, screw you don't have to target one at a time. Maybe you want to cast more than one targeted spell on a different creature. Screw it. Pay one mana, and everybody loses Hexproof and Shroud, and they can't get Hexproof and Shroud. It's the nuts, so. Alright, then. So, Clay. Uh, my last card... Um, we are departing from the red deck. We are moving over to the blue deck, actually, to uh, take a look at a goofy little enchantment called Well of Ideas. Well of Ideas is an enchantment that costs five and a blue. When it enters the battlefield, draw two cards. At the beginning of each other player's draw step, that player draws an additional card. At the beginning of your draw step, draw two additional cards. So it's a Howling Mine for them and a Font of Mythos for you that also gives you cards when it enters the battlefield right away so that you don't have that awkward moment where you play your Howling Mine and everyone else benefits first. Maybe it gets blown up before it gets back to you. It always feels really bad. Um, I stuck this in my Brago King Eternal deck, and it's just really funny to be like, okay, six mana, Well of Ideas, attack with Brago, uh, blink Well of Ideas, draw two more cards. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Card advantage all day. Hey, I listen to that podcast all day. All right then. Yeah, so like the well is amazing. So it's it's one of those cards that yeah, just as Clay just said, it's basically hauling mine, but you don't have to worry about that icky downside of it blowing up before you got anything from it. And, and sometimes yeah. you get to abuse it and keep it yourself. And it's even yeah, better. Yeah, it makes you get the additional cards. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sweet. 
It's just sweet. Play it in more decks, man. All right. Oh, yeah. So, Calvin, what's going to be your last card? Uh, my last card for tonight will be Wake the Dead. It's X, black, black. It's an instant. You can only cast Wake the Dead only during combat on an opponent's turn. Return X target creatures from your graveyard to the battlefield. Sacrifice those creatures at the beginning of the next end step. Now, it seems like almost every year that Wizards prints one of these Commander products, they're, like, slowly but surely, like, forcing me to constantly dig into my belt or to the file deck and find something in there to take out to put something that they've new, something new they've made in it. And this is one of those cards. I'm like, I have it. It's on the side. And I still can't figure out where to put it. And this year they have another product. So now I've got two cards. I've got to move out somehow or another to put these other two cards in. But basically, I, I really like it because seeing as how you can get those creatures coming in, people attack you, you instant speed, flash this thing in, and say you get a Grave Titan. Boom, your Grave Titan shows up, and you have two tokens that stick around after he dies. Or you bring back a bunch of your other zombie-like creatures, and they show up, and next thing you know, all your opponent's creatures are getting minus X, minus 1. Minus X, minus X because of the amount of zombies you've got, or you're getting other, type of, other types of into the battlefield triggers going off. It's just an amazing card. And it's an instant, so I can just do it. And just do it for someone to attack me. All right, then. And, of course, my last card is going to be Commander Sphere. So, in a couple of weeks, you listeners are going to be hearing a very special episode with me and Calvin. And what we kind of noticed is that each of the sets for Commander kind of had this card that didn't really do anything in other formats. Like, you could technically play it in Legacy, but because it relies on your commander's color identity or does something about your commander, it doesn't really do what you want it to do in other formats. Commander Sphere is just one of those cards that I'm going to try and stick in as many of my commander decks as I get copies of. Because it's three mana, artifact, tap, add to your mana pool one mana of any color in your commander's color identity, sack Commander Sphere, draw a card. Like, that's the biggest thing to me. Not that it's a three-mana artifact that makes one mana for any color that you need. It's that you can sack it to draw a card without having to tap it. Oh, yeah. So you can actually use it for its intended purposes of making mana and feel fine that when someone goes to Vandal, blast the entire board, or board wipe, or they just want to try and deny you mana, you can still cash it in to draw a card. Like, I'll even play it in monocolor decks just because you can draw a card off of it. I play it in Kirkash just because I can tap it for a red, sacrifice it, and then use the red to copy the ability. Just as three mana draw two cards. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <sighs> Actually amazing. Actually just amazing. And I think that's a good note to end here on. So, guys, overall, uh, what do we think of the, the decks themselves? You know, just as a whole. So, white deck, Clay, you were the one who played that one last year. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing the white one. It was incredibly powerful out of the box, and there are some really minor edits that you could make to it to make it even better. Like, you can still find these on the shelves at Target. I would highly recommend, if you're thinking about getting one, the white one is actually pretty well worth it. So, Mark, a year later, how do you feel about the blue deck that you initially reviewed? Best deck ever, except maybe for the red one, which is probably empirically better, but the blue deck is amazing! Buy it. (laughs) All right, Calvin, you reviewed the red one. How did that work out for you? Yeah. I still have it. It's one of the decks where I think it's probably really it's really powerful out of box, but it's also very diverse after you get it because there's so many different things you can do with the red reanimator strategy. You can just go with Doretti or you can go with Felden. Uh, what was it? The After this came out, I uh, were on uh, 
TCG player Cassidy put up an article with three different people putting up three different decks built around the commanders for it. And I ended up putting up a mirror token kind of deck where you're using the ready to get like all these kind of mirrors back and you're getting a mirror battle spear and a mirror this and a mirror that. And it, it, it's, it's very, um, diverse and powerful. So I say get it if you have the option. All right. And, you know, I wish I could say the same thing about the black deck. Like, oh, dear God, that You know you want that Google Call Gissa. <laughs> no, I want that Google Call Gissa, and I have that Google Call Gissa, and Gissa is awesome. But the problem... You know you love some Inferno of... Yes, uh, like, Inferno of it had cards that I liked in it. The problem was the you deck know you want that was demon so <laughs> miserable to play other actual decks with outside of the pre-con. Like, that nut Black Rider on so much of the removal was just... Ugh. And just cards like Spoil the Blood and Aether Snap that just did nothing, just, oh dear god. It really makes me wish that I had actually just gone straight for the green deck. Okay, so what about the green deck, though? <laughs> the green deck, I love the bit. There was a, there are a couple of cards that are a little awkward because Titania's in there. So, there are cards that are in there because they work with Titania. Like, I think Evolving Wilds was actually in there, maybe? Or, you know, Crystal Vein? I mean, like, there were, there were some decent cards, don't get me wrong, like Tranquil Thicket and, and all that. Like, there was, uh, there was the Crystal Vein, there was the, um, um, the green one that did that too. So, like, those cards were fine, but they were also just a little awkward, I wanna, let's say. Overall, though, I really loved the Fairly Second. It was just kind of a slower version of the Azuri Elf Ball deck, but I still had a lot of fun with it. So uh, one thing I want to say though about these, it's interesting that we got this cycle. It had a mono white deck, a mono black deck, a mono red deck, and a mono green deck. And then it came with this red green deck that, for some reason, had all the ramp, all the artifacts, and all the stuff you could do in red and green. But apparently they decided, you know, it changed the mana symbols on it and merged them into blue. Fair. He's not wrong. All right. And so with that. I, it, you know, it's time to close the book on Commander 2014. It was a fantastic set, and at the time, those were some of the best pre-cons that they had come out with. Like, Commander, 20, Commander 2013 was rough in some patches. Commander 20... But it was their first time trying it, so... The first time oh, trying... Gosh. Not... Their first time trying monocolored Commanders was this year. Ah, 2013 yeah. was the Shards. 2011 was the Wedges. The Wedges also had some problems. Like, 2011, 2013... Those were some, they had some good cards and great commanders, but the decks themselves were a little lacking. This one, it felt like it all came together. And I'm really hoping they pull it off with the next one, which we'll be able to talk about next week. Next week. <laughs> next week on Commander Cast Z. So, for now, it's time for us to take things to our outro. All right, and we'll go ahead. All right, let's. So, are let's we talking about them next week? Because I thought next week we were supposed to be taking the week off. No, next. Uh, they're not out next week. No, next week. Ah, okay. It's the week after that that we're taking off. Oh, he's like next. All right, so, all right, all right, just making sure. Okay, also, take us guys, out of here, what? Will. So this has been Commander Cast episode 224. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for showing up today. Gavin, thank you for being here. No, uh, the same as usual. Here, doing what I can. Mark Clay, thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. All right. So at this point, we'd like to hand out our contact information. Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, if people want to reach out and contact 
you can go over to Twitter, hit me up at Captain Redzone, or you can hit me up with an email and Gmail at CaptainRedzone at gmail.com. Or you go over to the Facebook page, I'm over there, Waffle Cone's over there, William's usually there, uh, doing that admin thing. This is normally where I would say Judd's there, but uh, did you say Judd was leaving? Uh, yeah, Judd's leaving. Yeah. He's he's moving on to brighter pasture. It's built with stones of hearts. Yeah. We'll miss you, Judd. Godspeed. Okay, so if you want to get in touch with you, how can I do that, Mark? Alright, guys. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with me, just hit me up at my uh, Gmail address, smallrma at gmail.com. So, Clay, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Um, I am around the internet on the Twitter and Gmail and occasionally the Reddit as EDH Panda. Um, my girlfriend Mallory and I do occasionally stream on Twitch as Pandalpaga. Um, it's down in the show notes. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter to find out information on what we're playing and when we play. Alright then. And if you want to get in touch with me, I am WIE Hernandez at gmail.com. You can also follow me on at BlueRan1409. Um, and if you want to get in touch with CommanderCast proper, Email is thecommandercast at gmail.com, Twitter at commandercast. If you want to support what we do here, though, you know, we, we just love donations. Every dollar that you can donate to our Patreon, the CommanderCast Network Patreon, in fact, will help us keep going in case of, uh, you know, my sudden job loss or anything, anything like that. So if you want to support us here, even just a dollar of your time, it would be just amazing. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, and I'll read off any five-star review on air. So thanks to everyone who contributes to our website. You are all fantastic people. Music for our show is the X-Me Pedal Heavy Metal Series by 331 E-Rock. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! from Chris. Hi guys, greetings from the UK. Hey Chris. First of all, What's going on? I just want to thank you, say a big thank you to all of you for podcasting such a great podcast. I generally listen to you guys at Monday Night Magic at work on a Tuesday, and I'm always just a little bit sad afterwards as I know it'll be a whole week until my next fix. You've helped me to understand so much about the format, and in turn, I have tried my best to pass this knowledge on to my playgroup, even though they can just try to damn link I send them and listen to it for themselves for once. Anyway, I was hoping for a bit of friendly advice. My main deck at the moment is Brago, and I know that makes me a bad person, but I love playing it. I always end up getting gunned down at the first opportunity no matter how I play the deck. Here's a link to, to Brago, which I am dropping into the message now. Okay, let's see here. I tried to create my list without net decking and to go full synergy rather than good stuff. And I always try to mulligan away from things like reality acid. But even if I'm just blinking Merchant of Secrets, I start to feel the death stairs. So my main question is, 
Are there any changes I could make to the deck which would, you know, still allow me to get my trigger fix whilst going under the radar a little more? Or should I just bite the bullet and set Brago aside until another deck becomes the deck to beat? I don't want to force my playgroup to adapt too hard, as we are all fairly casual players that, due to kids and other commitments, don't spend a huge amount of money on the game. I'm probably the biggest spender of the group, and you can probably see from my list that I don't spend that much. I'm sure this email has been pretty poorly worded and punctuated, and too long. But any words of advice you could send my way would be greatly appreciated. One last thing. Any suggestions for a general for a blue-red-based artifact deck if we don't get one of the new precons? I want to use the Doretti core with things like Tezzeret, Dagfinan, and maybe Muzio. <laughs> but I can't find an appealing general. My friend suggested Sliver Hive Lord, and after a brief chuckle, that actually seemed like the best suggestion. What would you guys do in a situation where you have theme and colors, but no obviously synergistic general? Once again, many thanks for the hard work you put in every week to bring us all the show. And it's unbelievable how far Will and Calvin have progressed since Andy left. Very proud of you, boy. Also, also, oh, thank you. how the hell do you leave reviews on, on iTunes? I would have totally left a five-star review, but I've not been able to find to you know, figure it all out. I'm often confounded by the strangest of things, so it's probably just me being dumb, but maybe that's why Will never has one to read out. Here's to another 223 episodes. Cheers. So, let's, let's answer the most important one. You can leave a five-star review on CommanderCast <laughs> by going to your iTunes <laughs> store and typing in CommanderCast and searching, and it will actually be under the MTGCast feed. Like, that's how we have our iTunes feed, is through MTGCast. So let's go see MTG Cast arrow arrow commander cast. You can click on that part, and it'll ha- have like a little tab on top underneath the name, where it says like details, range of reviews related. That's the part you want to click on. You want to click ratings and reviews. And under customer reviews, it will have literally write a review. So hopefully that it's simple enough that you can find it after it's been uh, after I've been direct, after directing you to the MTG Cast feed. <laughs> All right, so guys, this man wants some help with this Brago deck. Should his two questions are should he you know change it up a bit so that it's not as obvious while still getting the value that he wants or does he need to let Brago sit down and yeah. you know take a time out? Can I take a stab at this? I was hoping you would. Um, as play. a fellow Brago player, um, my deck is built solely around Master of the Unseen and the other um, manifesting enchantments because they're just really good. But the thing is, from what it sounds like your playgroup is, um, if people are really that frustrated with your deck, you probably shouldn't force them to adapt, and you should probably either play something else or do what William does and build a second 99 for it if you want to keep playing Brago. Um, just play different stuff so that they're not staring down the same things the entire time. Because um, the deck does look like it can uh, it can do some damage. It definitely has some things that I would play, um, but... I was about to say, this actually looks like a deck that I would build, too. <laughs> but I would say, if if your playgroup is really struggling with it, I, I don't want to say you might be the problem, but you might be the problem. If people just aren't having fun when you're at the table playing it. So, just just play to have fun. But That's see, all I have to say about that. But see, here's uh, the problem, is that he's having so much fun getting all these value triggers, that it just kind of squashes everyone else. Like, you can, like they can do things to try and deal with Brago, but outside of just straight killing him, he has so much resiliency built into the deck, Yeah, and it's really hard to take down. I actually Which, think that the second 99 is just the best option here. 
Yeah. Like yeah, in my my opinion, for the second ninety nine, just to kind of toss something into the conversation for the blue white Bronco deck, this is that I would probably say what you could potentially do is attempt to make your second ninety nine a little bit more group hug based, or a little bit more group friendlier, and include a few more cards into the deck where yeah, Bronco blinks it, but I get something and you guys get something like the um like the well of ideal that we were ta- discussing earlier. Or yeah. say, for instance, you put in like one, put in the two offerings. You can get them, give them life, and give them this, or you know, other things that can target players. So you can use those to kind of lighten the mood. I mean, yeah, Brago is still there. He's still going to be a dominant creature. But you know, if you're doing other things in the deck and making it a little bit more political and assisting other players, then you're kind of giving them things without having the knife behind your back waiting for them to turn because you're giving them cake. Damn the internet. Damn the internet to hell. But yeah, like, am I still roboting? Uh, Not at this point, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, so so let me finish this up. So if you're doing that, my main suggestion would be like, you know, there's other things you can put in there, be a little bit more political. And, you know, it'll make your play group a little bit more used to Brago because now there's a version of the deck that is still powerful, but at least they're getting something out of it as opposed to constantly losing to it or needing to feel they need to hate it out the game. Yeah. What about you, William? Um, Brago-wise, like, I get, I had this thing with, I have, you know, similar problems with, like, Kalia or Noyandar, where it's like, after a few games, everyone's sick of seeing them, so I do just sit them down and do other decks. But yeah. that's but at one, that's me, and I have 27 different decks. Like, it's literally not a problem for me to sit a deck down for a few months while I run through the gauntlet with other decks. Like, it's part of, it's also part of just how I keep people from hating on me just from what commander I put down, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's like Kalia. Because yeah. usually by the time the deck comes back, people have kind of forgotten how badly it destroyed them. Like, in a few weeks after we're done with the enemy color commanders, I'll probably want, want to bring a Tarka and Farika back out. And hey, people kind of forgot how weirdly I can get with Farika. Hmm. The other, uh, the only other option is probably to go, yeah, just build a second 99 Brago. Like, I was gonna say, you know, you could also do what I did with Kalia and go, just all commons and uncommons, but, you, then you remember, oh, wait, some of the best value stuff are just commons and uncommons. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it would be a, help uh, boiling out his deck a lot more. <laughs> so let's answer his final and third question. So we didn't actually get an, an artifact isn't commander, disapp- mm. disappointingly enough. And we can talk about it more next week, but for now, which one of the Blu-ray commanders that we do have, including... Seven of them. Including the uh, the two new ones, do you think would Including make the two new ones? Do you think would make a good blue red commander? Because I'm of the opinion that you probably could actually make Mizzix work as an artifact commander because uh. a lot of the cool some of the cool stuff that you can do with artifacts involve are off of like spells. Like if nothing else, then you can use it, her as a way to help fuel just ways to help make the deck function. Like, you can still play Blue Sun's Eve and still draw those extra cards. Yeah. The thing is, Mizzix wants to be more of a Storm-type build. Um, and I don't think if you're trying to play an artifact deck, it just wouldn't really do what you need to do. My personal suggestions, um, like the top three that I would play, four actually, um, 
the new Sphinx could actually be really funny if you're playing artifacts that let you fill your hand, just to, like, cycle through to try and find various, like, combo engine pieces. Um, Arjun, the Shifting Flame. Um, I think my top pick would actually be Nin, the Pain Artist. Oh, right, Nin, Um, I also remember her. Just because she can draw a lot of cards really quickly, and Stuffy Doll is fucking hilarious in that deck. You do just get indestructible artifact creatures, yeah. Yeah. Um, third pick would probably be Karanos, just for the extra card draw and the value from the damage. And then lastly, probably Draco Genius, just because of the extra damage and card draw, even though he's more expensive. And he's much less threatening than original Nifmizzet. Uh, my go-to for it, I think I would have gone with Karanos, primarily because none of them actually have artifact base, so what you're going to be dealing with is going to be a commander that has to deal with like some type of draw or does some other type of reddish thing for you. And with Karanos, there's no real downside for him being your commander, and if you're playing artifacts, you don't have to worry about him ever turning into a creature, because, you know, you're probably never going to hit the devotion for him to turn into a guy anyway, so he's pretty much there as your commander in your holding spot until we inevitably get a blue-red commander that works for artifacts. But I actually was, I actually do think that Sphinx would be like a nice little like um, toss-in for the running for that spot too because of the fact that it has that filtration thing. It's very, um, what is it, Teferi's Puzzle Box? Yeah. It, it's, it reminds me a lot of that, where it's like, yeah, I'm constantly getting a new hand even though I'm constantly losing my old hand. But in the same token... I'm always looking through and finding the best card out of that hand to play. And in an artifact-based color thing, like, you know, at that point, it's like, yeah, like, you're pretty much going to be playing the artifact, you play a soul ring, you circle through your hand, you play this, you circle through your hand, you play this, you circle through your hand, and next thing you know, you have all your artifacts, you have all the stuff you wanted, and now when the Sphinx does inevitably die, you're drawing all of your non-artifact stuff, but it's okay because you found all the artifacts you wanted when you had the Sphinx out. Good lord, can you just imagine something like... Arjun out, you have Firemind, Niv-Mizzet, and then you're just casting stuff like Memnite over and over again? Dude, um... Or, you know... The the Sphinx could be used for an uh, eggs build. Alhamaret's Archive, or Thought Reflection. Or you just I'm gonna put these four cards on the bottom and draw eight. Oh, but then you have, like, a way to bounce the Memnite to your hand after you've drawn new cards, and then you play the Memnite again and draw more cards, and then you literally just cycle through your deck and kill everyone. There's definitely a way to do it. There's definitely a way to do it. It's yeah, just finding it. Go with like an egg build, because then all the artifacts you're drawing are like zero men anyway. You just cast them and go. Yeah, that could also work. Actually, am I right? Now I, I, I kind of want to build that. Damn. Let's see. Because <laughs> if, if you go in that route, like if, if you have a deck full of zero casting cards artifacts, then you can just cast it for zero, cycle three and cast the next artifact you hit for zero, and then if you happen to find a card you want to spend man on, play it. Your hand will shuffle again. You'll get another artifact for zero, most likely. Play that. So, yeah, you could probably and get then, a nice little eggs going on. And then you play your Elixir of Immortality and all of your a way to sacrifice all your eggs to shuffle them back in. Yeah. Or, then, yeah, or you use your Duretti Forever? Scrap Mastery. And you use your Scrap Mastery or your Duretti to take those eggs and turn them into other bigger things that's on the field. Or in the graveyard. Like Crawler and win. Boom. All right then. So that so thank you a lot for writing in, Chris. Like I just I always love getting fan mail. In fact, I I just want to check real quick. Uh... Will wants to see if he has more mail from the listeners. Okay. Yeah, we got. I think. We, yeah, we got Ray. Did, we, did I tell you guys Ray? 
No, yeah, he was the guy who said that he had fun listening to Eldrazi, even though we didn't really, well, you guys didn't play Eldrazi. But yeah, that's that's two fan layers in the past two weeks. I'm very I happy. I bought a pack of Battle for Zendikar. Oh, you bought a pack of Battle for Zendikar. Now suddenly you're an expert. No, I'm not an expert. I'm just saying I bought a pack. Let's see, what Eldrazi did I get in this pack? I bought a fat pack. Ooh, wait, wait, wait. You mean Cruz didn't Slaughter? get all the fat packs before he left? Nope. Not all of them. <laughs> well, I was in a different store, though, Theta, so... And that's it. I only got two of the Eldrazi. None of them were... But they also... They're two of the ones that are, like, common and uncommon, so they cost some type of mana to play. So can I just say that I can see myself playing all ten of these commanders in one form or another? Like, most of them are actually just going to get slotted into into decks. But all these commanders excite me. Yeah, like I think the only ones that I can't really see myself building are Masarek, Anya, and Kaisto or Cassetto. But all the rest of them, I kind like I kind of do want to build Arjun eggs now, and I might just do that for shiggles. Someone pointed out that if tiny leaders, so, so you think what Anya is is that? I was going to say, someone pointed out that if Tiny Leaders was still a format and not dead in the water, Karlov would actually just be the commander for a white-black Soul Sisters deck. Dude, Karlov is sweet. Like, you can just play Voltron with him. You can. Play a bunch of small ways to gain life, and he just gets really fucking big really fast. Okay, so you've got the Black Retreat, you've got all the Blood Artists and other Aristocrat-type stuff, all the Soul Sisters. got a Johnny's Mantra... Soul exactly. Sisters, Nyx Fleece Ram. You literally have a bazillion different ways to gain life. Not that to mention like... every extort trigger. And what was it, like uh, Fountain of Youth? That uh, artifact you could just tap and add one and gain one life? Oh, there's the... Um, uh, uh, Chalice of Life? Uh, let's see, what was it? It was. I've considered putting Chalice of Life in uh, Kirkash. What's the one where you get hit, it gets charge counters, and then you get a life? Sun Droplet? Yeah, Sun Droplet. It's like every round, just get... Give them six hours. Yeah. Like just actually, actually, what you do is you go buy the blue, black, white uh, Loro deck and take something out of there and slot him into there, and he just gains. He just becomes massive. Like I'm actually, I'm probably going to end up making Daxos my black, white commander because he actually just makes tokens by himself. Dude, with with his uh, with the Daxos's torment, like he triggers that thing with his own ability. He does. Like it's, it's an enchantment creature token. Like, the spirits don't fly, but I'm okay with that. Also, did everyone else have an actual heart attack when they saw Marin? Uh, yeah. Marin, Marin, Marin. <laughs> Marin of Clan Neltoth. Uh, the, the dragon, um, shaman? The dead dragon the, shaman? Oh, the Marin, whenever, okay, yeah, her. Whenever a creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. Oh, dear Like, Lord. holy shit. And then at the beginning of your end step, you either regrowth yeah. or reanimate. Like, yeah, that's a card that can go in Farika. Let's see. Oh, um... Or I might Puka just... Puka Trade posted an article earlier that was like, um, Sword of Selves is going to be the quickest banning in Commander history. Let's see. I, I don't think it's ban-worthy, but it's strong. Oh, it's ban-worthy. It's ban-worthy. So, maybe I'd just put Marin into Carthus for flavor reasons? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, that, I, I love Scourge of Neltor. Like, that just, go, I just slam dunk that straight into Gissa. 
It's like, oh, I'm going to reanimate this dragon, and then I'm going to stack it and get six zombies. And, oh, I can pay two mana and stack two of those zombies to bring them back. And then do it again. Oh, but did you guys watch the Loading Ready Run video for Arachnogenesis? Arachnogenesis. Spider Fog. Yeah. Spider Fog, Spider Fog. Damn. <laughs> like, just... But you know the one thing I would have to say, though, for, um, what was it, um, Anya or Anya? Yeah. On your feet, the angel. The thing I talked with that was like, you know what? It's actually nice to see that there's a red white commander that now gives me a reason to beat the shit out of one particular player. See, I'm actually considering whether or not Anya's good enough to make Kalia. Like, she fits the mold of wants to be super aggro, and I can play her on five without any other stuff, but she doesn't have that immediate value. Yeah. Worst case scenario, she just goes in a rally. Yeah, but the thing that that's that's the deck that I think that she's going to end up building, or that's going to end up getting built for her, like the deck where it's like you use the deck to attack one player, get him down to half his life, and then your commander shows up as a seven-seven instructable flyer. I mean, yeah, I can dig it. Like it's it's actually kind of cool. Like Kanya, because typically, like we try to we try to like we try to promote like the spreading damage, attacking multiple players when you're playing like red and white to try to get as much damage across the board as possible. But with this one, it's like, nah, no, you don't have to do that anymore. It's like, you see that guy who's kind of falling behind short? Beat his teeth in. And now Anya shows up, and now she's big enough to take out the other two players, and you can continue to beat his teeth in as long as you let him live, and then Anya kills somebody else. Yeah, she's, it's like the guy's just on his ground, and she keeps screaming, kiss my boot, over and over again, and she kicks him repeatedly. No, but she doesn't kick him. You kick him, and then she goes kick somebody else and tells them to lick her boot. I actually, like, the second thought I had when I saw Azuri was blue-green infect, and I would be so tempted to build that deck if I didn't already have fish. Like, I don't know. Well, at least I have chicken. At least you have chicken. I've got work tomorrow. Seven days a week, Mr. No Days Off. Ooh, damn. <laughs> Gotta right. make that money, eh? All right, let's yeah. go ahead. Bluebird order. Who wants to... Okay, let's go ahead and divide these by color. I'll check the red deck. Alright, so Clay wants to do the red deck. I'm handling the green and the black deck. Well, yeah, the black deck. But I also want to talk about the green deck. I got the yeah, blue deck. The blue one, so that gives me the white one. See how easily that just plays out? <laughs> there you go. Alright. And then, then who's going to do double duty for green? I Will, just, you want? Yeah, I'm going to do. Okay. Who wants to talk about green? Green was. No, 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 no. It was, uh, no. The, guy, the guy, what we had for a little while, and then he ended up doing his... JT? Yeah, JT. Oh, yeah. That's oh, right. yeah. Shit, that was a year ago. Huh. Damn, that was already a year ago? Like, that was about the time that you guys came on. Yeah, I'm about that. Huh. Happy anniversary. <laughs> you guys aren't rookies anymore. Aww. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get right to this. Mm. So what he's basically saying is, is that now it's time for, like, Mark and Clay to leave us and for me and Will to have to find two new hosts to jump onto the show because there are apparently our guest hosts, our tertiary hosts, have a life expectancy of one year before they move on to go do other amazing things or just completely stop giving a damn about Commander. All right. Are we done yet? Did everyone say their piece? Yes. There's one thing I want to do say, though. Oh, God uh, damn it. Since we are going back to Innistrad, and this can just be cut. This has nothing really to do with the actual segment. Okay. Uh, one thing I want to say, like, when we get back to Innistrad, I have a feeling that Gissa may be dead. Hmm. Is that a real problem for necromancers? Well, the thing is, is that her brother makes um Frankenstein monsters, and she raises the dead. 
Mm-hmm. And the two of them kind of, like, from my understanding, have, like, this sibling rivalry between each other. She wants to bring things back with her necromancy, but she can't because her brother keeps taking the bodies and turning them into Frankensteins. He wants to turn things into Frankensteins, but he can't because his sister keeps taking all the corpses. Ah, uh, that makes for an awkward Thanksgiving. Yeah. All right. So I have this, like, no, this is me speculating and spoiler if this actually occurred. I think that what would end up happening flavor-wise, it'd be interesting if Gissa died and then Giraffe took her corpse and then turned her into a Frankenstein that necromanced. He true? could Frank romance. That is a lich at that point. Right. No, he, he would. Uh, he would. Like his sister dies. He's trying to bring her back, like he did with um Grim Grin. Accidentally turns his sister into a lich. And or maybe less accidentally, but more just does. Yeah, just kind of like, huh? That's a nice little side effect from my current experiment. Hmm. Well, okay then. Then she, and then instead of being. Instead of being cool, call it Gissa, she'd be, um, Stitcher to Gissa. <coughs> okay, we can do our yay and nay on the black pre-cons now. I call Scrap Mastery. Yeah. I, I, Alright, so I got, a, I got a framework for this one. I say we do the lieutenant creatures, the offering cycle, and then we move into whatever the fuck we want to talk about. Then the, just like the technology. Yeah, yeah. just the whatever. Can I, can I get a reef worm? That one is the nuts. Token, token, yeah. token. I just want to bitch about spoils of blood and also the Aether Snap thing. Which one? What Aether Gale? Uh, no, no, no. It was I thought it was Aether Snap. Aether uh, Snap is the remove all counters from all permanents. Yeah, that one. That fucking thing. Was that in these decks? I it was I... in the black deck. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It was. That was useless. I am gonna bitch about that so hard. Yeah, that one really was useless. Ooh. That card is hilarious, though. It, it is, but it's not a, in a good it's way. It's so niche. Oh my gosh, what just happened? Like, I'd rather have the vampire that just came out. Oh yeah, any day. Yo, that vampire is the shit. I'm yeah, gonna... like, at least a creature is a body, and you can reanimate and stuff later. Like, that's going in Gissa. But the Aether Snap is... Ugh. Okay, I am, I'm going to go ahead and claim three cards for other shit that I want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Um, Scrap Mastery, Impact Resonance, Well of Ideas. Oh, Well of Ideas, I love that fucking card. Oh, Dude, some, I stuck it into Brago. Brago yeah. connects, I blink it, I draw Ooh. two more cards. Wave of Vitriol. Yeah. <sighs> people should play, people should play Well of Ideas more. Well of Ideas is a so, uh, so play. Can you huh? put me down for, can you put me down for a Volcanic Offering? I thought we were gonna talk about uh, the Offering Cycle. Yeah, we're gonna talk about oh, the Offering okay, Cycle. Yeah, mind. So I'll take the Reef Worm yeah, and Unstable Obelisk. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Man, has anyone played yeah. Lore Seeker Stone? Uh, yeah, I actually have. No. Is, have you ever had any luck with it? Uh, yeah, it's Not just really. fine in the uh, Ulamog deck. Huh. I actually play that Look. in uh, my Afara deck. There's the Myriad Landscape, really well. Arcane Lighthouse. Oh, I, yeah, I totally called those two. Yep. Masterwork of Ingenuity. Mm. Oh, that one's fucking sweet. That one actually really is good. Talk about a card I've wanted to come up in a deck and it just never has. Like it's just hanging Ooh, out, it's like hiding in the ni- 99. There you go. Play Ethergale. Ethergale? Yeah. Yeah, that one's good too. And, uh, Waste the Dead. Oh! Ooh, Sharpen, take a breath. Is, is no one seriously gonna call Dual Caster Mage? Well, really? Yo, how I'm many all are over we doing? I'm gonna, How many I'll just are we replace doing a piece? That's the question. Up to three. 
Alright. I'm calling, I'm gonna do Myriad Landscape, Dual Caster Mage, and, I don't know. I was gonna do Arcane Lighthouse. Ah, stupid turn to log. I've got Scrap Mastery, Impact Resonance, Well of Ideas. Why don't you, I, Will, I know you've talked about this before, why don't you like that awesome card? Because it breaks its flavor. No, it's not flavor. I have no problem with the flavor. People can stop talking, trying to convince me on the fucking flavor axis. Which which card? Sauna the Dryad. Like <laughs> I don't give a fine fuck about Sauna the Dryad flavor. Mechanically, green is not supposed to have a free answer to any permanent on the board. Wait, I no. mean, it's got Beast Within. Red got Chaos War. It's not. It wasn't supposed to get Beast Within either. And Chaos War was not supposed to be just red. But, yo, these things happen, though. The they happen, but that green, doesn't... Green needed its Chaos Warp, and that's Song of the Dryads. No! No, it didn't Yes, need. it did. Yes, no, it did. it didn't. Yes. It didn't. It did. See... I don't, I don't it, know that I've ever gotten this it. excited about anything in Commander. You see, the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Azuri spell that, that came out for 2015, the one that puts out a beast... And Dude, then all that the, thing is sweet. And then all those beasts fight a creature. That is an acceptable way to make a green board wipe. You make creatures, those creatures fight. Green's answer to creatures is supposed to be other creatures. Not this stupid turn you into a tree thing. It would have been Yo, fun. lignify, man. Lignify. That is also one it was not supposed to have. They keep trying to cheat. <laughs> like, this is something that frustrates Brilliant. Rosewater as the head designer. Where it's like, hey guys, we have the mechanics split up for a reason. Let's go ahead and try to stick to that. Like, yes, green has problems with creatures in a format like Commander where everyone gets big creatures. But hey, you know what? Red had problems with card advantage. And you know what? We found a way to give red a red way to get card advantage with stuff like Outpost Siege and Chandra. And that's That's fun. William? Yes? Breaking the color pie will always be a thing. Unfortunately. And it's always pretty awesome. I, I don't, I don't really consider it the uh, break in the color pie anyway. We're not having this conversation now. I've already, uh, I, I've already it's, got uh, like, like one. It's a rare, technically, so it's not like it's something green is just randomly doing that. At least, uh, like a uh, Doomblade phase. Two, green is more than just big fat creatures. There's elves and there's dryads and there's all other kinds of things. Granted, the bigger creatures, like your elephants and your whatever Tuscan elementals, yeah, they deal with other creatures by beating the shit out of them. But your smaller creatures, like your dryads, no, their whole way of dealing with stuff is turning shit in the trees. Let's go ahead and just get this going so that some of us can go to bed. All right. I want to take all this and just put it into the actual segment. <laughs> I fuck you, Will. All right. Watch this video from where I'm linking it really quick. Okay. Because holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear lord! <laughs> just, just watch it. Why would you do that to Elmo? <laughs> he just wanted to teach kids how to read! Count! He <laughs> count out! It it just showed up on the little like trending ticker on Facebook. Damn, Elmo! Oh my gosh, Elmo Stewart, no chance. I'm with you just, on this one, Mallory. William says he's with you on this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sometime. Let's take this to the yeah. end. R.I.P. Elmo. 
He just disintegrates. Diggly bit stuck around. <laughs> I mean, you know, the leaves that still remain afterwards. I'm gonna go find that now. Like, like. I, I'm gonna go find uh, on, a vine like, really quick. Hold on, Clay. Uh, at some point, make sure that that YouTube link goes into the show notes. <laughs> I so, can make sure that happens so that people can follow on the danglies. Uh, take a look at this vine I just linked people to. Oh boy. It's the same sort of thing. But this one only lasts six seconds. How bad can it be? I think it's the music that makes it, though. Jesus. Oh. Ah. Okay, then. You don't like minions. But minions make evil layers go go. Okay, so MTG cast, commander cast. Oh, that reminds me. I should bring up the email that got sent to us. Oh, we got an email? We did get an email from the UK. What? Uh, Damn, minions. It's a minion, and it's burning. Nothing. Not anymore, it ain't. <laughs> uh, let's see. Friendly linking. Okay, there we go. Ratings and reviews. Let's see. It's been a while since I've looked at this. Um, that was how I missed the Circa? That was the, the what now? That was September 15th, 2015. So, okay, that wasn't... Yeah, that was the last one. Oh, gosh, they do it in slow-mo. No, no more Elmo. Leave Elmo alone. <laughs> Okay, I'm thinking, okay, we're going, we're going. Minute gas got 